Radio.com. the 17th of October, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Let's ask for his intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are our light and our help. Fill us with the spirit of sacrifice which animates those who lay down their lives for the gospel. Strengthen us with the courage which sustains those who live their faith amid indifference and hostility. Enliven us with the zeal which drives those who offer their lives in daily service to the mission of evangelization. O God of all the living, you called St. Ignatius to offer his life as a living sacrifice of love through the power of Christ's cross. Fill all your people with self-sacrificing love for the gospel through the same Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Ignatius of Loyola. Oh, wait. St. Ignatius of Antioch. We had St. Ignatius of Loyola about a couple months ago. Actually, anybody out there named St. Ignatius, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a slightly confused Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman is at the controls pushing buttons. We'll talk about the idea of apostolate with Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Marlon De La Torre will join us as well. Uh, from knowingisdoing.org. We'll get an update on the Synod on Synodality with Dr. Matthew Bunsen from EWTN. And then Father Gregory Pine is doing a series on Catholic classics for Ascension Press and diving into the Confessions, which is one of those where if you only read one biography, one autobiography, that is, you should read Confessions, and he'll tell you why. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Today is a day that the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has asked to be a day of prayer and fasting around the world for peace in the Holy Land. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered himself to Hamas in exchange for the safe return of hostages they've taken. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more. Anything for their freedom and to have those children back home. In a poignant online meeting with journalist Cardinal Pierbattista Pizzaballa conveyed a heartfelt commitment to freedom and concern for the release of children held hostage by Hamas. He declared, if I am ready for an exchange, anything. If this can lead to freedom and bring those children back home, no problem. On my part, absolute willingness. Cardinal Pizzaballa further touched upon the Holy See's offer of mediation, emphasizing the desire to rescue the captives. He noted... We have offered our readiness at least to try to bring the hostages back, at least some of them. This is being attempted. It is very difficult because for mediation you need to have interlocutors, and at this moment it's not possible to talk to Hamas. Turning his attention to the possibility of an Israeli ground invasion in the Gaza Strip, Cardinal Pizzaballa revealed a twofold concern. My concerns are essentially twofold, he said. The first is, following the ground operation, I don't know what it's called, the much more severe humanitarian crisis that will be created. 
This is the first fear, as there will be undoubtedly many more victims. Then he shared the other fear, which is that this conflict becomes a regional conflict involving not only Gaza or possibly the West Bank, but also Lebanon. Then the Islamic world could ignite all the Arab countries. It's very difficult to predict the developments, but the fear of regional expansion is real, and I'm not the only one saying it, he said. I am Francesca Merlo. The United States and Israel, meanwhile, are agreeing to develop a plan that will provide humanitarian aid from donor nations to civilians in Gaza. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made the announcement during a stop in Tel Aviv, saying that it is critical that aid begins arriving soon into Gaza. The news comes following the announcement that President Biden will be in Israel tomorrow to meet with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. In Washington, a vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected today. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio is the Republican nominee after Steve Scalise withdrew his name last week. But it's still unclear if Jordan can gather enough votes from his own party to secure the position. The GOP does hold a slight majority in the House, but only four votes can be sacrificed for him to win the gavel. And some Republicans still say they are firmly against Jordan as Speaker. Overall, he needs 217 votes today. Ford's chairman is urging the United Auto Workers to make a deal and end its month-long strike. Mark Mayfield reports. On Monday, Bill Ford warned the ongoing strike by UAW threatens the future of his company and the American automotive industry. Last week, more than 8,000 workers walked off the job at the Ford plant in Louisville, Kentucky. The nationwide UAW strike against the big three automakers started on September 15th. I'm Mark Mayfield. And in MLB postseason action in the NLCS, Kyle Schwarber homered on the first pitch of the first inning, and the Phillies never looked back en route to a 5-3 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 1 at Citizens Bank Park yesterday. The series continues today with Game 2 in Philadelphia. In the ALCS, the Rangers remain undefeated in the postseason with a 5-4 win over the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park. Texas will take its 2-0 series lead into Game 3 in Arlington tomorrow. Now, it'll be very interesting to see how that Texas series goes. I know, right? You know, our well, listeners on Guadalupe Radio are on uh, pins and needles there because the Astros community in Houston has some uh, some recent success. But it's been a long time for those Rangers. Mm-hmm. A long time. A long time. To get to the big stage. How, we'll I mean, it seems difficult to come back from a 2-0 series deficit, yeah, right? not impossible. Not impossible, of course. It's baseball, Anna Mitchell. Literally anything can happen. Anything can happen. You go to a baseball game. You may have seen a thousand baseball games before it, but you're probably going to see something you've never seen before, such as the such as the way of baseball. Which is why we love it. We love baseball. We love baseball. It is seven minutes past the hour on this Tuesday, the 17th of October. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. You know, when I was an evangelical Christian, for all of my life up to about the age of 25. Anytime any of us were doing anything out in the world related to our faith, we always called it a ministry. Uh, and 
the Catholic Church, there's a distinction between ministries and apostolates. We're going to get into that uh, over the next couple of weeks. But why would we call what uh, so many of us do when we're out in the world, sharing our faith and working with organizations that share our faith, why would we use the word apostolate? Well, because in Catholic theology, which is very different from evangelical theology, as you rec- fully recognize, you know, that's, that's more a, a me and Jesus type of theology. What we do is always in and through the church, no ifs, ands, or buts. And so the connection is with the apostles. And this understanding, which was enshrined in the decree on the apostle of the laity in the Second Vatican Council, and it's a good day that we're talking because today's the feast day of Pope St. John the Twenty-Third, who opened the Second Vatican Council on October 11th, 1962. And it was in that, that decree that said that the baptized are, are apostles. Now, that's with a small a. That means being sent that all of us are sent by Christ. We don't just go off. We're not freelance. We're not just going off and doing our own thing. We are sent by Christ out into the world, just like the the apostles were sent. And we're meant to bring faith to others, to bring healing, to bring God's mercy as well. Well, it is such an important distinction, and it might seem like hair-splitting, but just by calling uh, you know, Sacred Heart Radio, for example, an apostolate, we're acknowledging that Sacred Heart Radio does not have charge of the sacraments, right? <laughs> but we're, acknowledge, we're acknowledging that we do take the graces we received in the sacraments, uh, which were handed to us through the hands of the apostles and the people they success, uh, that, that were successors to them and those who were ordained through them. We take that grace out to somewhere else. We are sent by the church out to these places and we can go a lot of places where priests and the rest of the church can't always go right that is part of what it what we're what apostolate is about uh, uh, there are people who engage in ministry but we have to keep that connected to uh, to the church I- itself and by church i mean the, the parish community or particular official ministries of the church there uh, for the baptized and the confirmed always with a connection with the with the church but once we receive that baptism once we are uh, particularly confirmed we go forth for Christ and some also some organizations are called apostolates interestingly enough catholic apostolate center is a ministry of the palatine fathers and brothers and that may sound confusing but Pilati believed, St. Vincent Pilati, our patron and the founder of the Palatines, believed that all people were called to be apostles, and he called that work Catholic apostolate. It was really controversial in the 1830s in Rome to be saying that lay people could do apostolate. That was very controversial and really was not fully accepted. It wasn't fully accepted until the Second Vatican Council, and that permitted then the, these, this amazing growth of different works, but always have to have some connection to the to the church and recognizing that they are a part of the church. Again, not to go off and be freelance. You know, I make this distinction all the time because uh, sometimes I'll joke that I work for the church, but sometimes people will say, oh, Matt works for the church. I'm like, well, technically I don't work for the church. I work with the church, <laughs> right? Because in some yes. ways uh, what I'm doing is – not uh, under the oversight uh, formally and professionally of any kind of bishop or a parish or anything like that or a diocese, but 
I guarantee you that when Sacred Heart Radio is trying to figure out what we've got to say about stuff or when what we're doing over at the Coming Home Network is trying to figure out how we, you know, help people, you know, come into the life of the church and, and embrace the sacraments, we are absolutely taking all of our marching orders from what the church teaches and what the church says, right? That's that's where we get all of our juice, all of our information, all of our strength. That's where the sacraments that empower us to do these things come from. Yes, exactly. And also, if, a, if an organization, uh, th- and that's an organization, we're really talking about the individuals here and what individuals can do. Um, but organizationally, any, any organization that, that says it, it's Catholic has to have some reference point with the church. Uh, and, and not, again, not necessarily an official, official connection, but really for individuals. And that's what I want to focus on, on individuals who are going forth. They have to recognize, and, and one of the other terms that, that has been used, and we've used it on, uh, is missionary discipleship, the follower who's sent. That, that is still a message that a lot of people just have not gotten, have not really come to, to embrace and understand that they too are sent. It's not just a certain group of people here or a certain group of people there, but every single person who is baptized is sent by Christ into the world, into their families, into the, the, the situations in life that they might find themselves to really witness faith. To, to others wherever they find them. So you're telling me you're not off the hook? Uh, no, you know, you're not, Just uh, Despite being a regular old Catholic going to Mass, that you've got a job here too? Well, when you're told go at the end of Mass, that go is go out and be an apostle. Go out and, and let people know about Christ, but Christ in and through his church. That's, that's where the the difference always is for us Catholics. It's bringing them, bringing people to life in Christ, and especially in the Eucharist. Well, and drawing people, uh, you know, to have some sort of interest and intrigue in that life of faith. I found that so many times, you know, there's the official stuff that you want to do and the arguments you memorize, but sometimes being that missionary in the world means listening to the to the hunger that you hear in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and just hearing the kinds of questions that people are asking, because if they are real questions, right, they're going to find their home and their heart in the life of the church. And, you know, sometimes that's a great way to be an apostle, too, is just hearing what people are actually hungry for. And not only hearing, but also doing. Remember those those corporal works of mercy, going out there, those evangelize, those evangelize, too. When we go out there and like, why, well, why are you doing this? I'm doing it because of my faith in Christ. I'm doing it because this is what the church teaches. This is how I'm called to live. And so it's not only by what we say, but you know, it's what we do. Again, that faith and works, which again, is very Catholic. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, as we hear in the epistle of St. James. Thank you so much, Father Frank Donio. We've got the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Let's check on weather for the nation. An upper-level system will slowly move out of the eastern U.S., allowing for cloudy to mostly cloudy skies with occasional drizzle or light showers for the Appalachian spine into the interior northeast today. Some drizzle also possible for the mid-Atlantic and southern New England. Rain showers across the northern Rockies during the morning, which will spread in the northern plains and upper Mississippi Valley during the afternoon and evening. 
Rain soaking the coast and northern portions of Washington State throughout the day. Expect dry and quiet weather for California, the Great Basin, and southwest into the central and southern Rockies and Plains, as well as the lower Mississippi Valley, Great Lakes, Midwest, and southeast. And that is your geography lesson for the day. Back with headlines after this. It's 16 minutes past the hour. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. This month's devotion is to the Holy Rosary. St. John Paul II called the Rosary his favorite prayer, in which we meditate with Mary upon the mysteries which she, as a mother, meditated on in her heart. The Rosary is one of the most cherished prayers of our Catholic faith. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosary beads, bracelets, boxes, pouches, and rings. Available at EWTNRC.com. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The Latin patriarch of Jerusalem has offered himself in exchange for hostages taken by Hamas in Gaza. Meanwhile, the cardinal has asked for today to be a day of prayer and fasting for peace in the Holy Land. And in Washington, a vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected later today. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, praying and fasting, that's one. That's two things I can do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that I can't do. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm very moved by uh, Cardinal Pierre Batista Pizzaballa's uh, yeah. remarks. You know, it's, it's kind of shocking to hear a cardinal of the church say something like that. But then, and I'm sure many people have already pointed this out since he made the statement, um, but... This is why cardinals wear red. Yeah, uh, is to be willing to uh, offer to have their blood shed on behalf of the church, which is um, a fascinating thing to ponder on this feast of Saint Ignatius of Antioch. Oh, of course, in the uh, early years of the church, there was no such thing as a cardinal. It was an office instituted sort of relatively late in the life of the church uh, to figure out how to best vote on who should be the pope. Um, but Ignatius was a bishop. He was a bishop who knew full well the consequences of uh, him standing up for his faith in the Roman Empire. 
And uh, the Romans, as they paraded him from Antioch to Rome to be martyred, gave him lots and lots of time to think about it. <laughs> I mean, And boy, did he think about it and write about it. Yes. I mean, those letters that he left or that remain for us to read today. Uh, well, Matt, you were talking about it. You're going to talk about it with Ken Howell next hour. Yes, Dr. Ken um, Howell. How formative that was for so many Protestants exploring the church fathers. And, and continues to be. And realizing, wow, the Eucharist I mean, is real. That and uh, he's using the word Catholic to describe the church back in, you know, the second century. It's pretty extraordinary. And, uh, you know, of course, we weren't talking about Catholic as opposed to Protestant at the time. We were talking Catholic because Ignatius was saying this is the universal church, right? This is the church, like the church. It's not a church among many. It's the. The church. The church. And uh, there's, man, there's a lot in the story of St. Ignatius that I hope we get into more as the morning continues. And I know Dr. Ken Howell, who translated some of those letters, did a retranslation, will have a lot to say about that. St. Ignatius, pray for us. Family, thank you for supporting Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Yes, because of your generosity and from inviting many others to listen and give is why Sacred Heart Radio is now heard and seen on seven media platforms. Now, if you are a new listener, setting up a reoccurring gift of just $10 a month is easy to do at sacredheartradio.com and we'll assure that the gospel of Jesus Christ will always be broadcast on Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus. He's got a website called knowingisdoing.org. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. So I want to uh, start by defining a term that a lot of people who work in Catholic apostolate stuff mm -hmm. toss around all the time. Sure. And that somebody who doesn't work in Catholic apostolate stuff might sort of glaze over when they hear 
when mm. someone says, you know, really what we're trying to do is articulate the kerygma. Sure. You know, a lot of people are like, the what? <laughs> so before we get yeah. into um, your blog post, if you could just lay out what kerygma means. Sure. It's, it's important to define terms, I think. Um, kerygma is associated with, with, God, with the gospel, associated with sacred scripture. So if you look at the entire process of the Word of God. I mean, there's stages to it. And so the curriculum really becomes that that initial stage or that announcement uh, of something that is good or something that is holy. So the, the curriculum really gets down to the, the, the actual message itself and its pronouncement. And so curriculum really means an announcement of what is good. And that really is obviously intimately associated with uh, the good is the Word of God. That means God's announcement, God's message of salvation. So when you hear the infamous commission statement in Matthew 28, go forth, proclaim the gospel to all nations. Well, uh, that's really a continuation of what Christ had established early on. And we can look at that in Matthew 5 or Matthew 10, where you have this announcement. You, you have this announcement of, of, of a good, of a good news, of something that is of a, of a holy nature. And so curriculum really means uh, the, pro, the proclamation or the announcement of, of good news. And that good news is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ's announcement is the Word or the Word made flesh. So you, you have a lot of different components there, but really it's uh, curriculum really means an announcement, an announcement of something that is good. And it's tied to uh, the Word of God. Well, many people have pointed this out before, but the good news is good news. But before it's good news, it's often bad news, right? <laughs> it's yeah. often like, hey, Marlon, you got to fix your life a little bit. Uh, or mm -hmm. it's not even that you have to fix your life, right? You have to allow Christ to fix your life. But that presumes Correct. something, that it your does. life is not the way it ought to be, right? And uh, when I hear that, and I hear it, Every time I open the pages of Scripture, right? I mean, I get convicted by this stuff all the time. I mean, it's good news, but it's often bad news for the way that I've been handling my uh, life situations. Correct, and that's I think that's the the the, the evident evidential beauty of this. I think when when you when you hear the term kerygma or proclamation of the good news, or you start to contemplate on this, right? What have I done? Uh, what am I missing? Uh, where have I been? And this becomes really key to this this announcement of faith. It's like, all right, I am now basically called to conform to something or to turn away from something and to seek something that is greater than myself. And, and that good is really obviously tied to Jesus Christ crucified. And so this becomes a very beautiful, I would say, not just a formula, but, but uh, a gradual progression of how our soul, how our mind, our intellect, and our will becomes to be literally uh, absorbed and enraptured by Christ himself. And so the curriculum really ignites or becomes to, uh, it sets the stage for that. And so when we take the time to really contemplate, right, what is God asking of us through his son? Uh, what am I supposed to do as, as a man of God? Uh, uh, what have, where have I missed the mark? Or right, here's where I begin. So it's, it's a great way to, to really contemplate the, the, the beauty of God's uh, message for us. Well, I think it's important, too, for Catholics who look out on the big wide world and see all kinds of crazy things happening to remember mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, the gospel is meant to be good news, right? Correct. It's meant to be good news uh, because, you know, you can get into a sort of a bunker mentality of a, we're the people who have the truth and everybody else is, you know, going to go fry in hell like a bucket of chicken, as my friend yeah. Dan Egan would say. And it gets to be like a prideful thing. And when we share the gospel, it's more like, 
uh, you know, we just want to point out how terrible other people are. And that's not what the gospel is meant to be, right? The gospel is meant to convict, but it's also meant to bring joy and goodness and peace and harmony and beatitude and all these other things along with it. Correct, because it's a message. I mean, it's a message of conversion. It's a message of faith. And the beauty of this progression is uh, you're trying to really focus on all right, what is God asking of me? How does this gospel message really set the stage for my life with him? Uh, how do I spread this message of salvation? Because even through all the calamities somebody may be experiencing for our, for our listeners out there, or the curriculum is meant to basically allow you to see uh, both good and evil and decide, all right, this is not what I want. This is not how the world should be. I understand this, but um, I'm supposed to be vulnerable. And that's the beauty of the curriculum. The message, when, when you say or you, you pronounce that I'm in love with Jesus Christ or that I want to share with you this message that I received from this beautiful human being that was both divine and human, all right, you become vulnerable. And that's the beauty of pronouncing the charisma and really laying the stage of God's divine word is you allow yourself as a disciple to be susceptible to those who may not agree with you. And you have the opportunity to hopefully turn their heart a little bit where God uses you as an instrument. And sacred scripture is key to that. It's a beautiful component of that turning away from sin. And it allows you to see, all right, what is this message saying now? And so there's a beauty to to being a disciple, not being bunkered in, like you said, and really becoming vulnerable because essentially that, that's what we're called to be. Well, and the coolest moments uh, in that process are when someone comes and asks you the question because they saw it, right? Yes. Because they yes. saw that there was something different. There was yes. something going on. I know you've talked about this happening in the classroom all the time, Yeah. you know, yeah. with teachers who you know, maybe in a math class, right? They see that the math teacher lives differently. Even though they're not teaching theology, they're teaching something Correct. by the way they're living. So we've got knowingisdoing.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon De La Torre, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate it, Matt. You too. Go Bucks. And when you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, not only can you find Ohio State Buckeye fan Marlon De La Torre, on the site, but you can find links to all of our guests. You can subscribe as well to get show notes delivered to your inbox every single day. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is offering himself in exchange for hostages in Gaza. Vatican News reports Cardinal Pierre Batista Pizzaballa said they've offered their readiness at least to try to bring at least some of the hostages back. He said, it is very difficult because for mediation, you need to have interlocutors. And at this moment, he said, it's not possible to talk to Hamas. Meanwhile, the Cardinal is asking for prayer and fasting today for peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Susie Hodges reports. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa is calling for a day of fasting, abstinence and prayer for peace and reconciliation. Cardinal Pizzaballa, who is president of the Assembly of the Catholic Ordinaries of the Holy Land, has urged all parishes and religious communities to mark this day of prayer in his message, Cardinal Pizzaballa spoke of his great pain and dismay at what is happening in the Holy Land, saying we've been suddenly catapulted into a sea of unprecedented violence. He went on to warn that the long-standing hatred in the region will increase even more and the ensuing spiral of violence will create more destruction. 
In an interview with Vatican Media earlier in the week, Cardinal Pizzaballa said he was saddened, but not entirely surprised, by the violence taking place in Israel and Gaza, and said he feared it will be a very long war. For Vatican Radio, this is Susie Hodges. Catholic Relief Services says their staff and partners with Caritas Internationales stand ready to respond according to the needs of the people affected by this war between Hamas and Israel. They say their staff is on the ground and ready to provide urgent humanitarian needs as the situation intensifies. Meanwhile, a new poll shows a majority of Americans do want the U.S. to help civilians in Gaza get to safety. 78% of participants in the Reuters-Ipsos poll agreed with the statement, quote, American diplomats should actively be working on a plan to allow civilians fleeing fighting in Gaza to move to a safe country, end quote. On the other side, 22% of Americans disagreed with that statement. Israel has told civilians in northern Gaza to flee to the southern part of the territory ahead of a possible ground assault. A report says the Pentagon has told 2,000 U.S. troops to be ready to deploy to the Middle East. More from Mark Mayfield. The Wall Street Journal said the troops would not be serving in a combat role if sent. The report comes just as the U.S. sends a second carrier strike group off the coast of Israel. The first carrier strike group arrived last week. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the carriers are meant to deter hostile actions against Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. A new vote for a new Speaker of the House is expected today. NBC's Ryan Nobles reports from Capitol Hill where a Republican vote, where a vote on Representative Republican Jim Jordan of Ohio will happen after the House convenes at noon Eastern time. Jordan is increasingly confident that he is almost at that magic number of 217 votes. He flipped a number of Republicans who had said previously that they would never vote for him. He still may be a little bit short. The GOP only holds a slight majority in the House, so Jordan can only lose four Republican votes, assuming he receives no Democratic support. And some Republicans continue to express concerns about Jordan as Speaker of the House. The White House has reached a settlement in a lawsuit over the separation of children and their parents at the border with Mexico. Children during the Trump administration were sent to a sponsor while parents were detained. Some were never reunited. If approved by a judge, the deal would ban the government from similar separations for eight years. There are no monetary damages. In a statement, the head of Homeland Security called family separation inhumane and vowed that the, quote, cruelty of the past would not be repeated. Murders in the U.S. were down 6% in 2022. That, according to the latest crime statistics released by the FBI, the same report said violent crime decreased 2% in 2022. Meanwhile, U.S. car thefts rose up 10% in the same year. It's 35 past the hour. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com. 
SKPHA.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch, Tuesday, October the 17th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller, Knockelman, Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be pretty nice today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy to partly sunny today and a high of 60 degrees. Partly cloudy and chilly tonight with an overnight low of 45. Partly cloudy and pleasant tomorrow with a high of 68 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mix of clouds and sun this morning. More clouds this afternoon with a high of 59. Partly cloudy skies tonight and an overnight low of 43. It'll be partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 66 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m., online at sacredheartradio.com. Seven minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on this feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch, a church father who died a martyr in Rome, left us some really awesome letters. St. Ignatius, pray for us. We head to Rome now. Dr. Matthew Bunsen joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is vice president and editorial director of EWTN News. He's covering the Synod on Synodality in Rome today. Good morning, Dr. Bunsen. Uh, Good morning. It's good to be with you. It is good to have you. So what has been going on in the Synod Hall lately? (laughs) Well, a lot of discussion, let's put it that way, and a lot of um, discussion about uh, some of the hot button topics. I know you and I have even talked uh, over the months as we're, we've headed here uh, about some of the, the key issues uh, that we know many wanted to raise here, including things like uh, the diaconate, uh, the possible diaconate for women, uh, same-sex blessings, that sort of thing. All of that has been in the mix this week uh, as the Senate participants have really spent their time in these small tables, what are called the Churchly Minori, uh, hammering out uh, the second section of what's called the Instrumentum Laboris. Uh, and it hasn't been without some controversy and some discussion, uh, but as they are proceeding now to the last phase of that second part of the Instrumentum, uh, we should see some clues about what will end up in the final synthesis report. Yeah, really interesting. So the Relator General of the Senate, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, um, made uh, raised a few eyebrows, I guess, when he said recently that he expected tensions to rise as uh, as the Senate participants were going through this particular part of the of the working document and and also said, well, tensions are a good thing. So has the atmosphere been tense and has it been a good thing? What are your thoughts? 
Well, in some ways, we, we're not entirely sure uh, what all of those discussions have been like. I say that because mm. uh, they're participants have been sworn to secrecy of a, of a type that what they've been asked to do is to practice discretion and confidentiality. Uh, there were some rumors that they might all be uh, placed under some sort of a pontifical secret, which uh, was not actually in, enforced. Um, but as these discussions have gone on, uh, and as the small tables or these circular minori uh, have focused on some of these themes, uh, yeah, I, my understanding is that the, there, there have been some back and forth uh, moments uh, at the tables. But uh, as uh, we're seeing from some of the photos coming out and other things, uh, we had a picture, for example, of Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, the former prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, posing uh, with uh, Father James Martin, uh, who, of course, is the now very famous uh, Jesuit priest and big supporter of the LGBTQ movement. So the fact that the two of them could actually find a moment to pose together for a photo with smiles and the promise of exchange of their books, I think, uh, yes, there are probably a lot of tensions, but I think everyone is actually uh, in dialogue and, and trying to make the best of this. In a spirit of fraternity, I suppose. Yes, yes. And, and as they keep saying, um, and this will become important, I think, especially as we move into next week, uh, the, the phrase that we've heard for a very long time is that we have to understand that the Holy Spirit, they say, is the chief protagonist of this synod. And I, I think we need to prepare uh, even more for hearing phrases like that uh, as we move toward the synthesis document. Now, there was some puzzling news that also came out from the Synod Hall this week. The, the news that two bishops from China who were delegates to the Synod on Synodality just suddenly left Rome and, and went back to China. What's the story there? Well, that's uh, the, uh, one of the curiosities of this week. Uh, so it was remarkable that they were actually allowed to attend at all. Sure. And suddenly then, uh, as you note, uh, they just disappeared. Now, at the press briefing, I think it was just yesterday, Paolo Ruffini, the prefect, uh, the, basically the person who runs was called the Dicastery for Communications, which is overseeing all of the communications with the press and the world, uh, said that uh, they were summoned home because of, quote, pastoral needs. Hmm. Now, the, the fact that they were here itself uh, was fairly remarkable. Uh, there has obviously been engagement, but uh, one wonders, uh, as we saw, for example, with uh, Cardinal Joseph Sen, who was allowed a certain amount of time to come in January for the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI, if this was something that had been arranged beforehand, if the time had simply run out, so... They were sent home. Those are one of those imponderable questions that we don't know. Yeah. Uh, I was reading in the National Catholic Register, this is not the first time that this has happened at a synod, though. Oh, that's right. Uh, we had a similar thing uh, in previous synods where different bishops and other things have been forced to return home abruptly. So I think it's partly the interests of uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party to maintain control. Uh, but also, uh, I think the limitations that they place, uh, they're constantly making a point of control. So back to the Senate Hall here, Dr. Bunsen, what are you expecting for, for the rest of, of this week and, and moving forward over the next, what, there are, what, still two more weeks left of the Senate beyond here? 
Yes, that's true. Uh, we have uh, the, the conclusion of this week, and then uh, everything wraps up at the end of next week. So what's going to happen over the next few days, for those who are following this uh, closely, uh, is that the reports from these uh, small minor circles or small tables or truthfully minorial, let you decide which term you prefer, uh, will come to an end with the final discussion on what is one of the key points here, and that is participation, tasks of responsibility, and authority. So we've uh, looked at issues of pastoral care, we've looked at the role of women and other things. This time, at the end of the week, we're looking at uh, authority in the life of the Church. And we can expect uh, that there will be an update tomorrow from the aforementioned uh, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, uh, the Relator General. Uh, and then the actual task begins uh, for the drafting of the, the synthesis document. And I think next week we'll be seeing some more reports on that uh, as we lead into the final request for approval of this synthesis document, and we'll actually be able to see what they've been talking about. Okay, and then once we have this synthesis document, what will that will that then be used next year? Because there's a second year to this Synod on Synodality, right? Well, with your customary uh, uh, penchant for getting to the, the, the heart of the matter, uh, you're asking one of the questions that uh, many people are asking. What will be the task of the synod, uh, of uh, the participants, and really for the whole church at the end of this synod, and then for this coming year uh, as we head toward the October 2024 synod? And I think some clarity first will be provided uh, toward the end of next week as we begin to see the, the synthesis document that still has to be approved by the body. Pope Francis will weigh in, and then we'll see what the tasks are uh, for everyone. Uh, that's one, uh, another one of those questions that has yet to be answered, uh, but something tells me that uh, we'll soon be finding that out. Something tells me that we'll have to have you back very soon to talk more about that once we find out. Just finally, Dr. Bunsen, uh, what has been uh, the role of Pope Francis amid all of this? How involved has he been? He has been at uh, almost all of the sessions. Uh, it's been something that's been noted. Um, as the Senate has been organized, uh, they have uh, a lot of these small tables. Everyone is sitting at round tables, uh, including Pope Francis. Uh, and he sits with uh, Cardinal Mario Grec, uh, who's the, the head of the Senate uh, itself, as well as Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich and, and others. Uh, but it's a statement, too, of uh, that, yes, everyone is sitting together, everyone is sitting at round tables, but Pope Francis has a slightly higher one. <laughs> As do Cardinal Hollerich and Cardinal Grech, I guess. Um, yes. We'll see how much uh, their discussions play into that synthesis document that uh, you have been discussing here. So, yeah, Dr. Bunsen, I hope you'll be able to uh, come join us when there's another update to discuss at the Senate. Would that be all right? I'd be happy to. Fabulous. I'll be happy to as often as you want me. Fabulous. And uh, where can listeners find all of the coverage that you've been working on with your colleagues there in Rome, Dr. Bunsen? Yeah, if you go to ncregister.com, we have a full tab on the Senate on Synodality. And next week, we're going to have uh, live uh, coverage from here in Rome. Fabulous. We got that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bunsen, thank you. All right. God bless. You too, Doc. Thank you. All right. It's 13 till.
We're back right after this. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Tim Staples, Carlo Broussard. Two hours of open forum. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Gregory Pine, and he has done a lot of cool projects that I'm sure that some of you have run across through the years. But Ascension Press has a Catholic Classics series that's due in Season 2 now on St. Augustine's Confessions, and Father Pine is part of that. Good morning, Father. Hello. So with Catholic Classics, I uh, am not surprised at all that you're going in on St. Augustine's Confessions. Why is this considered such a classic? Great question. Do I know a coherent answer to that question? Also a great question. Well, I think <laughs> so. The the book itself is novel. Uh, not to say that novelty is, you know, the goal with these matters. Uh, the hope is wisdom. The hope is sanctity. But it's novel in that it's kind of like the first autobiography of its sort. You had things before it which talked about the life of an individual. Maybe instances in which somebody would recount his own life in memoir-like fashion. But there's nothing quite like this with its. Um, psychological penetration and emotional richness and just like spiritual depth. Um, and so it, it really gives you a, a beautiful insight into the inner workings of Christian conversion. Well, I've known several people through the Coming Home Network who picked up St. Augustine's Confessions at whatever point they were in their life, and they thought, wow, this sounds like me. Man, this could have been written yesterday, <laughs> right? Uh, there's a lot to dig into here. How are you digging into it with uh, this podcast? As is the case with many Ascension things, uh, the first half is just reading the book, and then the second half is giving some commentary to help people appreciate it. So each episode uh, may, might be like 25 minutes, and I'd say maybe maybe the first 10 minutes are just reading the book. And then there's a little before and there's a little after that, but uh, what follows for the most part is just kind of commentary, and we try to stay close to the text. Uh, so that way it's not just the, the vain musings of two hosts, but rather the Augustinian-inspired explications thereof. Well, when it comes to the Augustinian-inspired explications, 
you know, you can stick to the text only so much, right? Because St. Augustine, he sort of triggers things in the mind of the reader that makes them think about themselves as Augustine is explaining his own thought process and experiential situation. I mean, that to me is one of the biggest gifts of the Confessions of St. Augustine is because it makes me start thinking about the Confessions of Matt Swain. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's that to it. I think um, maybe people have been in a seminar-style class or they've done a great books course and they've sat next to or across from their classmates and, you know, hear people say, all right, you know, like reading this, it made me think about that. And uh, maybe the things that they think about are more or less pertinent. I think there's a kind of, um, yeah, there's a kind of discipline that comes with staying close to a text because the sense is that the text is richer than my own interior life. And so in staying close to the text, I'm always going to be challenged to... uh, yeah, like, what would I say, sympathize with uh, St. Augustine's thoughts and desires, uh, because it's not so much that, like, I judge them as they judge me. And so, yeah, we try to be disciplined in staying close to the text, but even while it does inspire in us a certain introspection. But I, I think with the honesty that, yeah, there's, there's, there's not as much there, there, by comparison to there of St. Thomas, excuse me, of St. Augustine's interior life. Slip of the tongue there. <laughs> I can forgive a Dominican for accidentally saying Aquinas <laughs> when he meant Augustine. Uh, but you mentioned that idea of it challenging, uh, being a challenging reading. I mean, what's, what are some of the, you know, as you were rereading it uh, to prepare for this Ascension Catholic Classics podcast on the Confessions of St. Augustine, what were some of the things that maybe challenged you a little bit? Yes, yeah, so um, it's divided into 13 books. And uh, the first 10 books are about his life, though the 10th of those 10 books is more abstract or more synthetic. And then the last three books he says, and he writes this in his retractions, which is at the end of his life is kind of like annotated bibliography of his own works. He says the last three books are about sacred scripture, uh, and specifically about the first two chapters of the book of Genesis. So uh, book 11 is about Genesis 1-1, book, book 12 is about Genesis 1-2, and then book 13 is about Genesis chapters 1 and 2, in effect. But, uh, yeah, that's really tough. Those last three books are really tough, and, and so tough, in fact, that many editors entirely omit those three books from their publication because they're like, yeah, I don't want to burn any bridges, and I want to leave people with a good taste in their mouth. So let's get them to, you know, the conversion in book 9, the uh, beautiful conversation with St. Monica and her death, uh, or excuse me, that, the conversion in book eight, uh, beautiful conversation with Monica and her death in book nine. Book ten is nice, like a, like like a summary thing, and then and then just send them home. Um, but I think that in part that despairs of our capacity to engage with difficulty, and also like I think there's a wonderful use for incomprehension in the Christian life. I think a lot of times <clears throat> we'll say of an experience like that was great only if we've understood it a hundred percent, but. Truth be told, what do we understand 100% in life? Nothing. Uh, because we're constantly in need of you know, further enlightenment and encouragement on our Christian journey. And so I think that books, books 11 through 13, while tough, they're a good cipher for Christian conversion. And so far as a lot of it goes over our heads, and the, the goal there isn't so much to say, all right, well, I'm just going to dismiss it out of hand. Not for me. Um, yeah, I won't touch it again. But rather to say, okay, a lot of my life is above my head. Lord, grant me the grace to understand it better, grant me the grace to desire it yet more perfectly, and, you know, do with me what you will. Well, you know, it's Augustine who said something to the effect of, if you believe what you like in the Gospels and reject what you don't like, it's not the Gospel you believe, 
but yourself. <laughs> and I imagine the same is true for the confessions. You know, if you accept what you like in the confessions of St. Augustine and just kind of gloss over what you don't like, it's not really St. Augustine's reflection you like. It's your own sort of take on it. And, uh, I mean, that's where the text really can and should sort of challenge you to go beyond yourself. Yeah, I think I think the goal of human life is not 100% comprehension. It's to be challenged in the right ways, to be encouraged in the right ways, to be beatified in the right ways. Because uh, at the end of the day, God is greater than our minds and hearts. And even in heaven, we will not comprehend him fully. That doesn't mean that we'll be overwhelmed, like in a negative sense or bewildered in a negative sense. But it does mean that, yeah, it's just, it's bigger than us. Um, so I think it takes a kind of existential humility to come before the mystery and say, like, listen, Lord, a portion of it, what you will, and grant me the grace to drown in the infinite ocean of substance, which is your divine nature. Well, thank you so much, Father Gregory Pine. Again, you can go to ascensionpress.com and find information on that Catholic Classics series and dig into St. Augustine with a Dominican. So we're covering all the saints this morning. We'll talk more, actually, about St. Ignatius of Antioch, whose feast it actually is today, with Dr. Ken Howell coming up next hour. Also, Maureen Flynn will discuss prayer and fasting. Uh, today is a day of prayer and fasting for the Middle East and peace there and harmony healing. But there's actually a whole week of prayer and fasting that Maureen is going to mention coming up starting on October the 20th. So please do stay with us as the Sunrise Morning Show continues for another full hour for most of you after the break. It is three minutes till. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Joseph Saylot will discuss the latest news in Catholic medical ethics. Ala Migliorato will share the adventure Catholic parenting tip for this week. I'll talk about the life of the early father, St. Ignatius of Antioch, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life, Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donaghy from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiWriteToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hardworking professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Good food can still be fast food. 
Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat, the University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Tuesday, the 17th of October. It's the Feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Let's pray the collect from Mass today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Almighty, ever-living God, who adorned the sacred body of your church with the confessions of holy martyrs, grant, we pray, that just as the glorious passion of your, uh, of your Saint Ignatius of Antioch, which we celebrate today, brought him to eternal splendor, so it may be for us unending protection. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Ignatius of Antioch, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, Dr. Kenneth Howell is going to be along to talk more about St. Ignatius. Dr. Howell actually did a translation of some of those letters of St. Ignatius of Antioch. So that'll be fun to talk about. Maureen Flynn will get us ready for an international week of prayer and fasting coming up here in just a few days. We'll talk to Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. Also, Chris McGregor uh, will look at an Office of Reading selection from Margaret Mary Alacoque. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is asking that today be a day of prayer and fasting for peace in the Holy Land. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzabola has offered himself to Hamas in exchange for the safe return of hostages they've taken. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more. Anything for their freedom and to have those children back home. 
In a poignant online meeting with journalist Cardinal Pierbattista Pizzaballa conveyed a heartfelt commitment to freedom and concern for the release of children held hostage by Hamas. He declared, if I am ready for an exchange, anything. If this can lead to freedom and bring those children back home, no problem. On my part, absolute willingness. Cardinal Pizzaballa further touched upon the Holy See's offer of mediation, emphasizing the desire to rescue the captives. He noted... We have offered our readiness at least to try to bring the hostages back, at least some of them. This is being attempted. It is very difficult because for mediation you need to have interlocutors, and at this moment it's not possible to talk to Hamas. Turning his attention to the possibility of an Israeli ground invasion in the Gaza Strip, Cardinal Pizzaballa revealed a twofold concern. My concerns are essentially twofold, he said. The first is, following the ground operation, I don't know what it's called, the much more severe humanitarian crisis that will be created. This is the first fear, as there will be undoubtedly many more victims. Then he shared the other fear, which is that this conflict becomes a regional conflict involving not only Gaza or possibly the West Bank, but also Lebanon. Then the Islamic world could ignite all the Arab countries. It's very difficult to predict the developments, but the fear of regional expansion is real, and I'm not the only one saying it, he said. I am Francesca Merlo. Catholic Relief Services says their staff and partners with Caritas Internacionalis stand ready to respond according to the needs of the people affected by this war. They say they're on the ground and ready to provide urgent humanitarian needs as the situation intensifies. Meanwhile, the United States and Israel are agreeing to develop a plan that will provide humanitarian aid from donor nations to civilians in Gaza. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made the announcement in Tel Aviv today, saying that it is critical that aid begins arriving soon into Gaza. The news comes following the announcement that President Biden will be in Israel tomorrow to meet with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. In Washington, a vote for the next Speaker of the House is expected today. A vote on Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio will happen after the House convenes at noon Eastern time. The GOP holds only a slight majority in the House, so Jordan can only lose four Republican votes, assuming he receives no Democratic support. Some Republicans continue to express concern about Jordan as the next speaker. Ford's chairman is urging the United Auto Workers to make a deal and end its month-long strike. Mark Mayfield reports. On Monday, Bill Ford warned the ongoing strike by UAW threatens the future of his company and the American automotive industry. Last week, more than 8,000 workers walked off the job at the Ford plant in Louisville, Kentucky. The nationwide UAW strike against the big three automakers started on September 15th. I'm Mark Mayfield. The MLB postseason continued yesterday in the NLCS. Kyle Schwarber homered on the first pitch of the first inning, and the Phillies never looked back and route to a 5-3 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 1 at Citizens Bank Park. The series continues today with Game 2 in Philadelphia. Over in the ALCS, the Rangers remain undefeated in the postseason with a 5-4 win over the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park yesterday. Texas will take its 2-0 series lead into Game 3 in Arlington tomorrow. And a new documentary is telling the tale of a Massachusetts lobsterman who said he was nearly swallowed by a whale. Michael Packard was on a dive in the summer of 2021 when he said he felt what was 
what felt like a truck hitting him, and everything went dark. Eventually, Packard's crewmate witnessed the whale spit him out to the surface. Packard suffered injuries from the ordeal, including a broken leg. Film titled In the Whale is screening at several New England film festivals and will be shown at Cape Cinema in Dennis, Massachusetts. Will be shown at where? Cape Cinema. Okay, I thought you said Cape Nineveh. I know, right? Just making sure there. <clears throat> well, I uh, I don't know what to say. Was it storming um, at the time? I'm I have wondering no idea. if they read from the Book of Jonah. Uh, I'm sure that there are references. They the better. The film. Oh man, they better. Jonah. If there is no reference to Jonah in this documentary, if all they film, reference is Geppetto, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> and Chloe. Yes, I guess so. Yeah. What was well, the name of, what was, Figaro, that was the name Figaro. of the cat. Yeah, Figaro, Figaro. At any rate, that's, uh, that's your sign. That was just for you, Matt. That's the only sign that you're getting. <laughs> it is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Kenneth Howell, who has an extraordinary resume and has worked on all kinds of things through the years. But uh, for today's purposes, it's important to note that he worked on a translation of the letters of St. Ignatius of Antioch, whose feast we celebrate today. Dr. Howell, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Great to be with you. And uh, just for a point of reference and, and a little context, where were you in your life? And uh, that I'll just ask, where were you theologically and professionally when you realized that you had to reckon with St. Ignatius of Antioch? Well, I was uh, teaching. I had been a ordained professor and minister for about, uh, I guess, about 12 years at that point. And um, I was teaching in a theological seminary, and I uh, began I began teaching a class on the Eucharist, or as Presbyterians call it, the Lord's Supper. And um, I, re- I wanted to study how Christians had thought about it through all the centuries. So I began reading St. Ignatius, and I was also happened to be teaching a class in patristic Greek, so we were translating the same text. And in that time, I was shocked by how Catholic-sounding St. Ignatius of Antioch was. And that really began to make me start thinking about my own faith and what I believed and and where, where I was in my church life. Well, I'm so glad that you did. Uh, because, you know, you and I have both done work with the Coming Home Network, right, and have talked to yes. a number of pastors who have done this exact same thing, right? They've gone in and mm. said, I need to, uh, you know, deepen my sermon material, and I want to go back past, like, 1850 to do it, and they get into the letters <laughs> and they discover St. Ignatius. Yeah. But at the time, uh, this was not... I mean, when when this was happening to you, it was not like this known phenomenon that was happening to people, was it? No, I don't. I don't think so. But I think there was a special grace given to a number of people, some of whom responded, perhaps many who did not. But there was a special grace being given, I think, to have Christians understand the the history of the church from the beginning. Now, in seminary, I had taken you know a class in the whole history of the church. I'd taken several classes in that, but it was always taught through a lens. That made it sound like all of the church fathers, especially St. Augustine, was a forerunner of Protestantism, 
particularly Reformed Protestantism, which we were. And what I discovered in the 90s was that there was, there's much more to it than that. And that, so as I began to read them myself, rather than being told what they were saying, I began to realize, wait a minute, these these people believed like in feast days, they believed in in prayers to the, of the saints. They believed in uh, they believed in the authority of the bishops and of the pope. And so I was just shocked with that it sounded so Catholic. The things that I had always thought were not in sacred scripture. Well, it sounded so Catholic to me. You know, of course, I came from a Wesleyan background, so uh, mm-hmm. I would have argued with you as much as I would have argued with the Catholics back in my yes. Protestant <laughs> days. Uh, but we did have at least a little bit of sense that the, there were good Christians uh, rolling around in those early years. We just didn't pay much attention to what they said. Um, and then, yeah. you know, you go back and you read a person like St. Ignatius, and one of the things that shocked me is that, yes, he sounds very Catholic, but he also sounds a whole lot like the New Testament, right? I mean, and I think that's one of the shocking things, too, that a lot of people who go back uh, from evangelical backgrounds and, and they read St. Ignatius, he sounds like he might have learned a bunch of this stuff from the apostolic witnesses. Well, yeah, that's exactly right, because and I think what you're you're saying that's so important is that there's a continuity between the writings of the New Testament and the writings of these earliest church fathers, and you see that in Ignatius. You also see it in the Didache, uh, where where there's a, a heavy dependence on the Gospel of Matthew. And what that means is that there wasn't some kind of radical break where the church suddenly fell into apostasy after the after the death of the apostles. Uh, I remember a professor of mine in seminary whom I admired greatly. He was a good, honest man. But one day he just kind of stepped back in class and he said, you know, read the, read the Apostolic Fathers, which would include Ignatius, of course. Read the Apostolic Fathers. And he said, I think you'll find a very different tone there of what Christianity is than what you find in the New Testament. And that stuck with me because I thought, wait a minute, if Jesus promised to build the church and that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it, then how could the church just, you know, completely fall away from the, the purity of New Testament Christianity? Well, as you're saying, I, when I read them, I said, wait a minute, they're not falling away at all. They're, they're just developing further what the New Testament was already teaching. It is a powerful thing to see, and you know this is one of the uh, the things that you've talked about a number of times before about the essential conversions that someone has to go through on their way into the church. It's not merely just you know looking at a set of doctrines and saying I agree, but understanding yeah. that value of history and that desire of being rooted in history. It's not just discovering interesting stories, but discovering that Ignatius of Antioch is our brother in Christ, right? Not just another interesting person who wrote things, but this is. This is a church that you can still be a part of. I mean, that to me was what was just a a, a revealing and freeing thing is to realize that thing that St. Ignatius of Antioch was talking about, it's still around, and I can go join it. (laughs) Yeah, you just repeated practically what what St. John Henry Newman said, you know, in the 19th century, that when he was looking at the ancient church, which he knew very well, I mean, looked at the modern church, he came to the conclusion that he was standing in the wrong stream. 
and then he had to get into the right stream that was continuous since the time of Ignatius of Antioch. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to go back and look at these heroic witnesses of the faith. And St. Ignatius wrote an awful lot. And uh, I know that you've written a number of things about him, and you've shared your own testimony in a number of places. And I'll put some links up to some of the things that you've written through the years so that people can see some of those things. Uh, is there a way that people can get in touch, or sh- should they just go read the articles? Oh, they could. Yeah, they could definitely read the articles. And uh, right now all I have is an email, but I'm working on a website about the Eucharist. Um, excuse me. Um, but people could could email me, and you could, I can send you the email, and then you could forward it to them. Sounds great. And, uh, of course, the Eucharist is something that St. Ignatius of Antioch very much had something to say about. So thank you so much, Dr. Kenneth Howell. Have a wonderful day. Great. Thank you. God bless. St. Ignatius of Antioch, pray for us. We're back with headlines after this. It's a quarter past. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit, St. Peter Canisius, was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The Latin patriarch of Jerusalem has offered himself to Hamas in exchange for the Israeli children that they are currently holding hostage. Meanwhile, Cardinal Pierre Batista Pizzabala has asked the faithful to join him in a day of prayer and fasting today for peace in the Holy Land. And in Washington, a vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected today. News at the top and bottom of each hour. Every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I'm excited. Uh, this afternoon, yeah. we'll get on an airplane and uh, fly down to Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. To the Bama. mothership, as it were. Heading to Bama. The uh, Mother Angelica ship. Yeah. And uh, the Catholic Radio Conference this week. 
So uh, if anybody out there is listening who is part of one of those affiliates that is very kind in uh, sharing the Sunrise Morning Show, I want to say hello to you. Um, I know I already talked to a few different affiliates. He's the bald one. I'm the bald one. I'm the bald one. The bald one. So, uh, but Anna Mitchell will not be here. He called Elisha. Yeah, Yeah. and he called a bear out of the woods and they regretted it. Right, right, right. But you're not going to be there because you have a uh, a right to life banquet that you're going to be emceeing. Yes, yes. Um, So I have a good reason. uh, I have a good reason to not be there, but I am quite jealous and hope that I can come to a future Catholic radio conference. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, a lot of these people who, uh, you know, we only know through the radio and and, uh, don't get to see all the time. I think, uh, you know, when you're uh, Is everybody going to have name tags? I hope so. You know, because I I was going to say, like, I mean, I know we're on a live video stream now, so folks, some folks can see what we look like now, but when it's, when it comes to radio... It's a little you don't, different. You don't know what everybody looks like. So no. do you know when you have to give Skyline to Adam Wright from Covenant? I know I know what Adam Wright looks like. Oh, okay, good. I know what Adam Wright looks like. Okay. But I won't be able to lift my eyes to meet his. <laughs> do you have the Skyline, by the way? Do I need to get no, I gotta, Skyline? No, I gotta go, I gotta go run out to the store before I... <laughs> before do they I sell Skyline in D.C.? Yeah, they do. It's like... Oh, wow. Huh. Okay. It's not It's well, not let me know if you need prices, help. though. Oh, well, they've gone up in Cincinnati too, man. They have. They have. Inflation gets us all. What have you talked to Paul Lockman about this? He still works at Skyline. That's true. Get him to send it. I should have. I should well, you know what we should have done? We should have offered to fly Adam Wright from the Covenant Network where his St. Louis Cardinals finished off our Reds at the end of the season. And uh, gave him kind of like a private audience, like a candlelit skyline. <laughs> Served by Paul Lockman. Served by Paul Lockman. A coney with cheese and mustard and onions. I don't do the mustard and onions. And then a three-way dry. Yeah, I do the three-way dry. Mm-hmm. But uh, just so you know, Adam, none of that travels on a plane. So uh, um, Skyline's coming out with a breakfast menu, by the way. Okay. Was it like? I'm not sure if Paul's tried it yet. I'll let you know. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. 
Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing your care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We are happy to have you along with us here on a Tuesday morning, working on getting Maureen Flynn on the line, hopefully. I'm not sure, Matt, are you there? By any I'm chance? there. Oh, good. Good to have you back, Matt. Oh, thank you. So why don't we, well... We're going to talk about today's day of prayer and fasting. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly uh, what I wanted to talk about. Before Maureen gets us started on a whole week. Indeed. Um, And of course, this is, uh, you know, this is a a, a time-honored scriptural tradition, right? Uh, Fasting and prayer are meant to go together. Of course, we tie them together at Lent every year, uh, but it's a sign of repentance, right? It's a sign of petition. Um, It's something that we do... Not just to purify ourselves, but also to you know show that we're willing to make sacrifices of our own, right? Uh, to 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 bring about you know the things that we're we're requesting of God. Um, but you know the the idea of prayer and fasting purifying us, Anna Mitchell, is an important part of this because how has the world ever been converted, or yeah. how has the world ever been sort of carried forth in goodness? How has the church survived? all the horrible and stupid things that have happened through the years. It's mm-hmm. through saints, right? Yeah. So the holier we get, the uh, the better off the church and the world are going to be. So, I mean, it's all sort of tied together. Yeah, I mean, Jesus says that some things can only be done through prayer and fasting. He tells us this. And so we look at a situation like what we are seeing in the Middle East, which, of course, we are all very much focused on on Gaza and Hamas and Israel right now as a current situation. But, of course, this situation has been going on for decades now, this conflict in the Holy Land. And it only makes sense, really, that uh, the place where Jesus lived and walked and ministered and died and rose from the dead would be, and ascended into heaven, uh, would be the place where Satan targets for such atrocities that are taking place. And so this is the latest instance of that. But we've been seeing wars play out in the Holy Land for years and years and years. And so, yes, we need to pray and fast for this current situation. We need to be praying and fasting for it in general, that it, that this yeah. can end, that we can find a lasting peace. Well, and bear in mind, fasting, <clears throat> some people, you know, have a little trouble with uh, with this. You know, when I was a, in youth group as an evangelical kid, there was this thing called the 40-hour famine. It was like a lock-in with no pizza, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. how, that's essentially how we thought about it. Yeah. Um, and... 
you know, I remember being cynical and a lot of people were cynical at the time. Like, what's the point of this? It's not like if we don't eat, that means that someone else gets food because, you know, we can't just it's we, there was some cynicism associated with it. Now, I, having like a much higher ecclesiology and a sense of what the body mm-hmm. of Christ is and how it works, like I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, when one part suffers, the whole body suffers, right? When one part rejoices, the whole body rejoices. And um, identifying with Christ is also identifying with his church. So not only is there the petitionary aspect of fasting, right? Um, fasting for a reason to ask a certain thing of God. This happens all the time throughout the Old and the New Testament. It happens, uh, you know, when people are sent out on mission, right? There's prayer and fasting before those people are selected and sent out. Um, but also a way of purification, right? What are the things that are in my world that are, you know, keeping me from worshiping and praying more properly, uh, well, in a more proper fashion? Uh, but the the other thing, too, is that there's an identification, uh, with the people who are suffering in this particular case. And I think not only of the Holy Land, which is a special focus of today's prayer and fasting, uh, where people are having issues with food security and issues with, uh, you know, hostages being you know taken by terrorists, right? And terrorists are willing to starve, you know, and dehydrate people uh, as part of their tactic, uh, right? And you see this this horrible stuff going on, but you also think of people like, in Nicaragua, right, who are being imprisoned for their faith and who knows how they're being treated. We don't know, right? Ukraine. Same thing with Ukraine. Nigeria. Same thing with Nigeria. Same thing with China, right? People yeah. all over the world who are being deprived of things. And if my fasting causes me to have a deeper identification with them as they have a deeper identification with Christ on the cross, then let's go for it. Let's go right? for it. Yeah, and and fasting means something. I mean, <laughs> this is... This is us, as you say, acting in solidarity with these people because we are the body of Christ. We, when one part suffers, we all suffer. And this is, as you say, a practical way for us as well to be able to identify in us in a small way through that. But we also have the ability to pray for people who may not be able to they just can't bring i mean i don't know i would imagine that they're praying for themselves right now but uh to be able to pray for those who who really desperately need prayers right now and it's all we can do i mean we look at these situations and we're thinking what in the world can i do right now well this is what we can do the lord has said that these things are effective and so this is our practical call to action right now Pray and fast. Indeed. So October 17th set apart uh, for a special day of prayer and fasting for peace in the Holy Land. Uh, Cardinal Pierre Batista Pizzabala, uh, Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, has special, especially called for that prayer and fasting today. So anything you can do. Uh, some people are gathering in special ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's some Catholic schools that are having uh, special rosaries. I would really um, like to encourage things. children who are listening on their way to school right now to give up something today. Yes. It doesn't have to be all the food that you eat in one day, but give up something Make a sacrifice. that is sacrificial today. Yeah. It's important and pray for peace. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, Cardinal Pierre Batista Pizzabala, has offered himself to Hamas in exchange for Israeli children that they are holding hostage. 
Cardinal Pete Zabala, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, told journalists yesterday he's willing to exchange anything to bring the children home. His office has not had any communication with Hamas since they launched an attack on Israel this month, killing more than 1,400 people, according to Israel's defense forces. Hamas claims to be holding nearly 200 people hostage, including children. The Cardinal is asking the faithful to pray and fast today for peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Susie Hodges reports. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa is calling for a day of fasting, abstinence and prayer for peace and reconciliation. Cardinal Pizzaballa, who is president of the Assembly of the Catholic Ordinaries of the Holy Land, has urged all parishes and religious communities to mark this day of prayer in his message, Cardinal Pizzaballa spoke of his great pain and dismay at what is happening in the Holy Land, saying we've been suddenly catapulted into a sea of unprecedented violence. He went on to warn that the long-standing hatred in the region will increase even more and the ensuing spiral of violence will create more destruction. In an interview with Vatican Media earlier in the week, Cardinal Pizzaballa said he was saddened, but not entirely surprised, by the violence taking place in Israel and Gaza, and said he feared it will be a very long war. For Vatican Radio, this is Susie Hodges. A new poll shows a majority of Americans want the U.S. to help civilians in Gaza get to safety. 78% of participants in the Reuters-Ipsos poll agreed with this statement. American diplomats should actively be working on a plan to allow citizens fleeing fighting in Gaza to move to a safe country. On the other side, 22% of those participating disagreed with that statement. Meanwhile, Catholic Relief Services says their staff and partners with Caritas Internazionalis stand ready to respond according to the needs of the people affected by this war. They say they're on the ground and ready to provide urgent humanitarian needs as the situation intensifies. The report says the Pentagon has told 2,000 U.S. troops to be ready to deploy to the Middle East. More from Mark Mayfield. The Wall Street Journal said the troops would not be serving in a combat role if sent. The report comes just as the U.S. sends a second carrier strike group off the coast of Israel. The first carrier strike group arrived last week. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the carriers are meant to deter hostile actions against Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. In Washington, a vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected later today. NBC's Ryan Nobles reports from Capitol Hill, where a vote on Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio will happen after the House convenes at noon Eastern time today. Jordan is increasingly confident that he is almost at that magic number of 217 votes. He flipped a number of Republicans who had said previously that they would never vote for him. But he still may be a little bit short. The GOP holds only a slight majority in the House, so Jordan can only lose four Republican votes, assuming he receives no Democratic support. And some Republicans continue to express concerns about Jordan as the next speaker. Ford's chairman is calling on the United Auto Workers to make a deal and end what he is describing as acrimonious talks. Bill Ford warned yesterday that the ongoing strike by the UAW threatens the future of his company and the American automotive industry. Last week, more than 8,000 workers walked off the job at the Ford plant in Louisville, Kentucky, 
The nationwide UAW strike against the big three automakers has been going on for a month now. Murders in the U.S. were down 6% in 2022. That according to the latest crime statistics released by the FBI. The same report said violent crime decreased about 2% in 2022. Meanwhile, U.S. car thefts rose up 10% at the same year. And there was also a noticeable increase in car jackings. More than a million vehicles were stolen in 2022. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life, Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Answer the call to the front lines for life. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East, the place to find a brand new Honda or pre-owned vehicle with no haggle, no hassle pricing. Honda East, just off I-275 on Beachmont Avenue. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch, Tuesday, October the 17th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Online at SKPHA.com. Looks like it's going to be pretty nice today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy to partly sunny today and a high of 60 degrees. Partly cloudy and chilly tonight with an overnight low of 45. Partly cloudy and pleasant tomorrow with a high of 68 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mix of clouds and sun this morning. More clouds this afternoon with a high of 59 Partly cloudy skies tonight and an overnight low of 43. It'll be partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 66 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Online at sacredheartradio.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So there are a lot of projects out there and podcasts and movies and the like, and I get all kinds of people asking me questions about the devil and demons. You know, personally, I don't like to explore them too much because I kind of already know that they're bad and I don't want them in my head more than necessary. But the Bible does tell us (laughs) that we need to know about them so that we can be aware that we need to rely on God against them. So how do they show up in the Bible? Right. The the two things the devil wants most is for us to ignore him or think he doesn't exist. He glees in that. The other one is to dwell on him too much and see him behind every bush and think about him too much. He likes that too. So we have to stay in the middle there, not think about him too much or too little. 
Anyway, <clears throat> the Bible is full of different names, for, and it's hard to find out how many times is the devil mentioned in the Bible or demons, but we have Satan used 54 times, the devil used 35 times, and demons are mentioned 89 times, but you also have them referred to as the accuser, the adversary, the serpent and dragon, Apollyon, the tempter, the god of this world, Lucifer, prince of darkness, Beelzebub, principalities and powers, unclean spirits. So you've got a whole list of different ways, names, titles, or descriptions of this one evil power called Satan. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff to unpack with that, but where do we get the idea of the devil? Because we know from uh, Catholic philosophy and catechesis that evil is not a created thing, right? Evil is right. a sort of like a deterioration of a created good. So where does the devil come from? And, and evil isn't just a an abstract idea either. It's actually a person who causes it. And uh, the devil and the demons, they're created beings. So, you know, sometimes people think that like yin and yang, equal powers. God is on this side, the devil's on this side, and they're just kind of keeping each other in balance. And that's not the case at all. Couldn't be farther from the truth because God is the supreme ruler of the universe, the all of the I am that I am, all powerful. And the devil is a created creature. He hates to hear that because he is proud and he wants to be like God. But he is only a simple created creature who is not equivalent to God, who is very inferior to God because he's a creature and he's a fallen angel. He was one of the most beautiful angels named Lucifer. And when God told him he had to go down and serve mankind, I think that's what initiated it. He said, not me, never. I'm way too beautiful and important to go down on that little planet and serve those people. So then he was cast out of heaven. So the catechism says he's a fallen angel who sinned by refusing God's reign. The devil and the demons were good angels who became evil by their own choice. So that's where they come from. And where do they do their evil deeds? Where do they exist? Well, we get some good hints from Scripture. In Job, it says, God says to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. So he's down here on the earth now, cast out of heaven. And Jesus said in Luke, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So we know that he was cast out of heaven and he's now down on the earth and he's doing his nefarious deeds here to do everything he can. He is not able to hurt God because God is far more powerful, unreachable to Satan. But Satan hurts God by trying to destroy what God loves. Well, there is a lot to unpack even with that uh, as well. But, you know, occasionally you'll hear uh, progressive theologians say something like, well, the devil is like just a metaphor for, you know, stuff. You know, it's not like there's not really like an actual <laughs> devil or anything. Uh, Pope Francis, by the way, is very strong in saying, no, the devil is real. <laughs> right? Pope Francis yes. has probably talked about the devil more than any pope in the past <clears throat> hundred years. Right. Uh, the church wants us to know yes. that this is that this is a reality. Exactly. And that's uh, the, the scripture and tradition are clear, not just from the Christian scriptures, but all the way back in the, the Jewish scriptures, back in the Old Testament. There are ours too, but the Jews had them much earlier than we did. And right from the very beginning, Satan is there. I've met, I have seen demon possession myself. 
there were uh, there's several occasions where we, I saw people who were possessed by the devil doing completely supernatural, unnatural things. And I remember one time there was a young a guy, probably 115 pounds, and five of us were holding him down when we were at a prayer meeting, and he picked all of us up off the ground. That was not a natural force. I have never doubted that the devil and demons are real, and I've always had respect for them in a proper way, knowing that they exist, but always being very careful never to let them get ground or get a place in your life where they can get a foothold. That's what we have to be very careful of. So he's first introduced in the book of Genesis in chapter 3. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field. He said, did God really say you should not eat of the garden? So he shows up in chapter 3 right after God created Adam and Eve. And the last time we see him is in the very end of the Bible in Revelation 20. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. He will spend the rest of his eternity in hell for all of the evil that he's done. You know, there are a few different things that you've said along the way that make me want to be careful about, you know, going too far down a rabbit hole. But you did mention the word foothold, and it took me directly back uh, to a passage um, from the book of Ephesians. And Paul actually has a lot of stuff yes. on spiritual warfare in Ephesians where he says, you know, a lot of us, when we think about giving the devil a foothold, we think about things like, you know, engaging in occult practices, right? Or going to, yep. uh, you know, play tarot cards or, or you know, doing stuff that might... Um, might be more like an open invitation to spiritual warfare. But Paul says something interesting in uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 26. He says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Sometimes right. it's stuff that's our fault that is just regular old sin that the devil didn't even cause us to do that he then uses as an advantage to work on our natural, uh, you know, tendencies right our own inclination to yep. sin he'll 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 latch on to that he will and in ephesians as well in chapter six it says put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers authorities cosmic powers over the present darkness put on the whole armor of god so what it gives is this kind of military terms that there's a battle going on and he's here and we're over here and every time that you sin or you and those like ouija boards and into the occult is really a big way to open Open up the door to the devil in your life. People should resist those at all costs. Catechism is very clear on that too. But every time you you give sin and you give way, you give him a little closer inching, you give him a little more ground, a little more opportunity. So we have to resist. That's what Paul says. It says that the devil is prowling around like a devil. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's out there trying to devour. So that's in the book of First Peter chapter 5, that he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So we have to stay strong, wear the armor of God, keep against the devil, don't give him any place in our life. Keep close to the confessional and and serve Jesus Christ. That's that's what we have to do. And he's very real. He's a very real evil power. In fact, when we say the Lord's Prayer and we say protect, uh, keep us from uh, temptation and deliver us from evil, even in the catechism, it makes the point that that is actually a person in that petition. It says this, in this petition, evil is not an abstraction, but refers to a person, Satan, the evil one, the angel who opposes God. So in some translations of the Bible, it actually says, deliver us from the evil one. 
He's a person. He's actually there, and he's really out to get us. Well, at the end of the day, we but, don't want to make Matt, I want to make oh, sure. I want to make sure we get one verse in here, though. First John sure. three eight. We, the, he's out to get us, and we have to be aware of that. But it says that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. As long as we stay close to Christ, as long as we keep Him in our heart, and we resist sin and evil, and not play along with these things, He's already destroyed the work of the devil, and He's very much able to protect us. Well, and He's not got a good future. Uh, so I would not yeah. strap my uh, strap your future to his. <laughs> right. That's right. And bear in mind, don't make the same mistake he did, right? Which is to uh, try and play God in your own life. All right. This is that's uh, right. This is his his issue. Submit yourself to God. Serve. Yeah. That's Humility. Right. Devil hates it. That's why he hates Mary so yep. much too. Steve Ray, we've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Thank you as always. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. All right, we're going to talk to Chris McGregor from uh, Discerning Hearts here in just a moment, plus headlines with Anna Mitchell. It's 14 till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. And bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The EWTN on-demand platform features 50 new podcasts every week, as well as an ever-expanding library of audio and video content. For Catholics who want to learn more about their faith, simply using their mobile device, computer, or TV. Your favorite EWTN programs are available 24-7. Visit EWTN.com and click On Demand. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Tim Staples, Carlo Broussard. Two hours of open forum. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing just fine. Always, always thrilled to get to talk to you when we unpack a selection from the week of the Office of Readings. And our selection this week is for the October 16th feast of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Who was she? 
Oh, St. Margaret Mary. Don't we love her? Yes. I mean, the, the thing is, her, her feast day was officially now in the church yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is, it was traditionally celebrated on this day, October 17th, for for centuries, because this is the day she actually died. Oh, uh, She lived in 1647 to 1690, and she had this extraordinary relationship experience with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I've had the, the blessing of being able to visit Paralimoniel of France, the village where she lived, not once but twice. Wow. And... Her experiences in praying before the Blessed Sacrament, it was during adoration, actually, in which Jesus literally, literally for her in her vision comes out of the tabernacle and pulls back his, his clothing and his chest and reveals to her his sacred heart. Wow. Now, and sometimes you see images of where Jesus is holding the sacred heart and and reality, Margaret Mary did not see him actually take his heart out, but but to pull it back from within his 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 body and mm. to to be able to show her the immensity, the joy, and, and give her teachings, which she would write down and uh, share with her spiritual director, the wonderful Claude de la Colombière, uh, Father Claude, now saint. And between the two of them, um, they were able to disseminate the great teachings, the expansions on the great love the Sacred Heart of Jesus has for all of us. And one of the most incredible devotions that we have in uh, the treasure trove of devotions in the Catholic Church, of course, the First Friday devotions, but just in general, making reparations to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um And so this selection from the Office of Readings is a letter uh, from St. Margaret Mary. And this is interesting to me, Chris, because uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about the Divine Mercy and and St. Faustina's devotion as being sort of a, a, a modern iteration of devotion to the Sacred Heart. And and we do see some similarities here uh, when you read this letter in the Office of Readings. You know, St. Faustina talks about the red and, and white rays that, that come forth from the heart of Jesus in the divine mercy image. So can you talk about the three streams that St. Margaret Mary talks about? Well, you know, you bring up a great observation, Anna, because there are many similarities to, as you said, the, the devotion to the divine mercy. But also, Margaret Mary, this isn't necessarily unique devotion to the Sacred Heart. St. Gertrude the Great mm-hmm. wrote about it uh, centuries before, as well as it, 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 well, it essentially goes back to that, the piercing of the Sacred Heart on the cross at the crucifixion where the the blood and the water uh, pour out of of our our blessed Lord on the cross. Which, by the way, you know, the feast of St. Longinus is October 16th. Oh, well, see, The one who pierced the side of Christ. Yeah, that's a mystical experience that all of us are called to enter into. I mean, just to think that the heart of God, the heart of God is pierced for our sakes. And, you know, that's what she's talking about from that piercing that he he will reveal to her that there are three streams that flow endlessly and the first is the stream of mercy of course the mercy for sinners it's um and then the second is the stream of charity which 
helps all in need, especially aids those who are seeking perfection. And they need help with surmounting their difficulties. And of course, that third stream is the flow of love and light for the benefit of his friends who have attained perfection and to help them to continue on. You know, for those who are uh, have are familiar with the, the different aspects of the, the spiritual life, the, the areas of purgation and illumination and then unit of way, you might have heard of those, not that any that we're necessarily, you know, have to climb a stepladder sure. to get things because we go back and forth. But um, that's another conversation. <laughs> but in this, but, but, but you can see that that this is what the heart of Jesus comes and he's constantly providing for every need to draw us closer into his 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 great love. This divine heart is an abyss of all blessings, and into it the poor should submerge all their needs. It is an abyss of joy in which all of us can immerse our sorrows. It is an abyss of lowliness to counteract our foolishness, an abyss of mercy. Hello, St. Faustina, for the mm-hmm. wretched, an abyss of love to meet our every need. And she goes on um, to have this... Re- I found this to be a really helpful paragraph that comes right after what I just read here, Chris, that mm-hmm. I hope that you will unpack, which is sort of, I guess you could say, her advice to those of us who find ourselves being spiritually sluggish, particularly in prayer. Oh, I think, uh, you know, you're breaking it open pretty well. Um, I, he talks about what happens if you are making no progress in prayer, then you need only to offer God the prayers which the Savior has poured out for us in the sacrament of the altar. Hello, Eucharistic revival. Yeah. You know, uh, offer God his fervent love and reparation for your sluggishness. In the course of every activity, pray as follows. Okay, everybody get this office reading and then write this down and then do what she's telling you to do. Take some Say, notes. my God, I do this or endure that in the heart of your son and according to his holy counsels. I offer it to you in reparation for anything blameworthy or imperfect in my actions. Mm. And then at the very end, it's a call to trust. Here it is, divine mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. Sacred heart, I trust in you. I love that we ask God to offer himself on our behalf because that's exactly what he did for Mm -hmm. us there on the cross, what he does for us every single day on the altar. This is just a beautiful reading from St. Margaret Mary Alacoque in this week's Office of Readings. We've been unpacking it with Chris McGregor from discerninghearts.com, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, I'm so glad you chose this one. Thank you so much. Well, it sounds like the mission statement for Sacred Heart Radio. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. EWTN, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his Yes, by clicking the red subscribe button at sacredheartradio.com, you'll get an email with our show notes with the list of guests you'll hear that day on the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faves. You'll also get the links to books, articles, and websites we've discussed and the full podcast with markers to find and hear the interview again. So to know when your favorite guests are on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith, go to sacredheartradio.com. 
Cincinnatiwrightdelight.com and click subscribe. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life. Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiWriteToLife.org. That's CincinnatiWriteToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Learning, planning, and being prepared is a part of life. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings so that planning end-of-life decisions can be made with peace of mind. Find out more at Gate of Heaven Cemetery's pre-planning seminar, Tuesday, October 24th at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. at 11,000 Montgomery Road. For reservations, 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney Family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scow from Archbishop McNicholas High School. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Tuesday, the 17th of October, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are our light and our help, O Lord. Fill us with the spirit of sacrifice, which animates those who lay down their lives for the gospel. Strengthen us with the courage which sustains those who live their faith amid indifference and hostility. Enliven us with the zeal which drives those who offer their lives in daily service to the mission of evangelization. O God of all the living, you called St. Ignatius of Antioch to offer his life as a living sacrifice of love through the power of Christ's cross. Fill all your people with self-sacrificing love for the gospel through the same Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Ignatius of Antioch, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on this Tuesday, the 
the 17th of October. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports. And up this hour, Father John Gavin will look more at the life of St. Ignatius of Antioch and how he's quoted in the Catechism. Dr. Jared Stout will look at uh, the Mass as heaven on earth. We'll get some thoughts on Carmelite spirituality, and there's been a lot of talk about it in this month of October, including a letter from the Holy Father on St. Therese. And Father Nicholas Blackwell, our Carmelite correspondent, is going to unpack some of that. And then we'll continue our walk through the Old Testament books with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, who helped put together a Catholic guide to the Old Testament for Ascension Press. Today, we are in the book of Nehemiah. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is asking the faithful to pray and fast today for peace in the Holy Land. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa, meanwhile, has offered himself to Hamas in exchange for the safe return of the hostages they've taken. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more. Anything for their freedom and to have those children back home. In a poignant online meeting with journalists, Cardinal Pierbattista Pizzaballa conveyed a heartfelt commitment to freedom and concern for the release of children held hostage by Hamas. He declared, if I am ready for an exchange, anything. If this can lead to freedom and bring those children back home, no problem. On my part, absolute willingness. Cardinal Pizzaballa further touched upon the Holy See's offer of mediation, emphasizing the desire to rescue the captives. He noted... We have offered our readiness at least to try to bring the hostages back, at least some of them. This is being attempted. It is very difficult because for mediation you need to have interlocutors, and at this moment it's not possible to talk to Hamas. Turning his attention to the possibility of an Israeli ground invasion in the Gaza Strip, Cardinal Pizzaballa revealed a twofold concern. My concerns are essentially twofold, he said. The first is, following the ground operation, I don't know what it's called, the much more severe humanitarian crisis that will be created. This is the first fear, as there will be undoubtedly many more victims. Then he shared the other fear, which is that this conflict becomes a regional conflict involving not only Gaza or possibly the West Bank, but also Lebanon. Then the Islamic world could ignite all the Arab countries. It's very difficult to predict the developments, but the fear of regional expansion is real, and I'm not the only one saying it, he said. I am Francesca Merlo. The United States and Israel are agreeing to develop a plan that will provide humanitarian aid from, from donor nations to civilians in Gaza. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made the, tel- the announcement in Tel Aviv today, saying it's critical that aid begins arriving soon into Gaza. The news comes following the announcement that President Biden will be in Israel tomorrow to meet with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Meanwhile, Catholic Relief Services says their staff and partners with Caritas Internationalis stand ready to respond according to the needs of the people affected by this war. They say they're on the ground and ready to provide urgent humanitarian needs as the situation intensifies. In Washington, a vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected today. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio is the Republican nominee, and the vote will take place after the House convenes at noon Eastern time. The GOP only holds a slight majority in the House, so Jordan can only afford to lose four Republican votes, assuming he receives no Democratic support. And there are some Republicans continuing to express concerns about Jordan 
as the next speaker. It is not clear if he will secure the 217 votes he needs. Ford's chairman is urging the United Auto Workers to make a deal and end its month-long strike. Mark Mayfield reports. On Monday, Bill Ford warned the ongoing strike by UAW threatens the future of his company and the American automotive industry. Last week, more than 8,000 workers walked off the job at the Ford plant in Louisville, Kentucky. The nationwide UAW strike against the big three automakers started on September 15th. I'm Mark Mayfield. And gas prices continue to fall in the Queen City. AAA reporting the average price of a gallon of regular fuel is now $3.26. That is a drop of 11 cents in just the last week. The average cost of a gallon of regular fuel in the state is $3.15. Although, Paul, I was seeing some reports that there are certain places in the area, I don't have any specifics, unfortunately, where it got under $2 or under $3. Whoa, yeah. Not okay. under $2. I think that would be nearly impossible at this point. Uh, that's fair. You know, I wouldn't give out all my secrets either. If, uh, if I found gas under $3, I, I wouldn't go blabbing it out over <laughs> I, the radio. I didn't find it. I uh. just saw that there were the Enquirer had like a news alert saying that there were some gas prices falling below $3. So I know they have like apps that yeah. you can look at gas prices places. So it might be worth it. To look around today I, if you need to get gas. I was about to say, well, uh, that is very Paging prevalent to me. my sister who... Always needs to get gas. Well, who always is frustrated by gas prices. Oh, so. fair enough. Well, she's not alone. She's not alone. Definitely not. I, uh, I feel you. That's my next stop out of, uh, out of work is oh, to, to get cool. gas. Well, so. look around. I will uh, certainly peruse it today. Nice. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. All right. Uh, a lot of national news, but uh, it's pretty prevalent. How about this? Major League Baseball postseason continued. And uh, the local kid, Kyle Schwarber, he homered on the first pitch of the first inning for the Phillies. And uh, Philadelphia was rocking after that. 5-3 final score, Phillies over the Diamondbacks in game one. At Citizens Bank Park, former Red Nick Castellanos also homered. Uh, he's homered like five times in the past, like three games. He's uh, been on fire. That series continues with game two tonight in Philadelphia in the ALCS. Rangers remain undefeated this postseason with a 5-4 win over the Houston Astros. Rangers take a 2-0 series lead there. Dallas Picked up a uh, 20-17 win over the L.A. Chargers, picking off uh, Justin Herbert with under two minutes to go as uh, the Cowboys uh, advance, or not advance, but they improve to 4-2 and two and are in second place in the NFC East behind Philadelphia. How about Justin Herbert? He was uh, just fine, 227 yards, two touchdowns, and, of course, that uh, one interception, costly interception. L.A. drops to 2-3 and three on the season. There you go. Uh, that is a check-in on the sports world. Let's get a check-in on traffic now. Traffic and service of Rose Automotive. Pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. What you got, Anna? Accident block in the right lane of northbound 471 just at the Big Mac Bridge. So that has you stacked up to 275. Staying in northern Kentucky, northbound 7175 is slowing from just past Turfway up to the cut in the hill. 
Bottom of the loop on westbound 275, slowing through the construction from Turkey Foot to Mineola Pike. On the Cincinnati side of things, eastbound 74, you're on the brakes from just past North Bend into the 75 interchange. Eastbound Ronald Reagan is running slow from Winton Galbraith over toward Plainfield. Starts to clear up as you get over towards 71. Southbound 75, slow between 275 and the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 71, you're on the brakes from Field Turtle to the Norwood Lateral. Now for weather. Mostly cloudy to partly sunny today in Cincinnati with a high of 60 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 45. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 68. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 59. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 43. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 66 degrees. Today is Tuesday, October the 17th, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Pray for us. It's 10 past. Matt? I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin, who is the author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer and has been going through uh, the catechism with us to look at the various places the church fathers are quoted. Father Gavin, good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad we get to talk about St. Ignatius of Antioch today. His Mm. feast falls right smack dab in the middle of the month of October, and he's got a lot to say uh, about all kinds of things in the early church, but uh, we're talking about him and specifically the reference to what the Catholic Church means by the word Catholic. So give us the context of where he shows up and then let us know what he says. Sure. So at this point in the catechism, we've been looking at the notes of the church, the marks of the church, one holy Catholic and apostolic. So we've arrived at the point of Catholic, and the section in the Catechism where he is quoted here, uh, it is talking about what do we mean by Catholic, and the word comes from the Greek. It means, uh, as the Catechism rightly says, universal or according to totality or in keeping with the whole, and this section talks about how The Church is Catholic in that sense, first and foremost, because Christ is present in her, and the gifts that the Church receives from Christ, namely the confession of faith, the sacramental life, and the apostolic succession. But then the second sense stemming from those things is, with those gifts that the Church receives from Christ's presence in her, the Church is also universal because the Church is is sent on mission. Uh, The Church is sent out to bring all to Christ and to share these gifts with the world in all times and in all places. And so Ignatius of Antioch, St. Ignatius of Antioch, is quoted here for one uh, very famous line. uh, I can say more about it in a moment, but where there is Christ Jesus, there is the Catholic Church. All right, now that is a compelling enough line as it is, but... As you know, Father Gavin, over the Coming Home Network, I work with a lot of people from other Christian traditions who are exploring the Catholic faith, and one Mm. of the things that happens to them is they go back as far as they can and start reading some of these early church sources, and they find people like St. Ignatius saying things that don't sound like what they're saying at their uh, community megachurch, (laughs) right? (laughs) They're finding some things that sound a little bit deeper, and especially that little quote you made from St. Ignatius if you get it in context, it has some serious right. implications. 
Right, exactly. So it, it comes from his uh, letter to the Smyrnians. We should say uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch uh, was, was martyred sometime at the beginning of the second century, and tradition tells us that he was either disciple of uh, John or Peter, so he's someone with direct contact with the apostles. We have a series of letters that he wrote while he was being transported to Rome to be martyred. And so this comes from his letter to the people of Smyrna, which is a uh, coastal city in Greece, and it's where uh, St. Polycarp was uh, bishop. We also have a letter to Polycarp as well. But you're right, when we go to the context from which this line comes, it is a paragraph, uh, and I can read a little of it right here, uh, where this comes up. He says, um, he's talking about the universality and unity of the Church, associated especially with the bishops, the apostolic succession, the Eucharist, and baptism. And he says, wherever the bishops all appear, there let the multitude of the people also be. Even as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. It is not lawful without the bishop either to baptize or we can say to celebrate the Eucharist, the agape. Uh, So the points of union, uh, the gifts of the Church that are received through Christ, uh, become the, the the point of union and universality of the church. So it's a very uh, we can take that paragraph apart even more. Yeah, there is a lot in there. I mean, because to say what the, that the church is Catholic is to 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 beg the question: Well, what do we mean by Catholic, and how does it stay mm-hmm. Catholic? And Ignatius essentially kind of tells you how, right? Because there is this lifeline mm-hmm. of hands that have you know, touched, you know, people all the way down to the present day. Everyone you meet who is a legitimate bishop mm-hmm. has a, like a, a real live sacramental connection back back to Christ himself. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a powerful way for us to understand, uh, you know, what the church is and how it operates. It's not just a bunch of people who all agree on a bunch of ideas. There's something like mm-hmm. really deep and tangible here. Exactly. And if we can find it here in the figure of, of Ignatius himself, I mean, if you know, if he, you know, directly con, uh, direct contact with the apostles, uh, and then in turn, what he brings forward here, we can see all the elements that are stated in this one paragraph. It's stated in the in the Catechism, the sacraments, the handing on the traditio of the the teaching of Christ, and uh, the apostolic succession itself, uh, so that. Even in this paragraph, he says, uh, see that you follow the bishop even as Jesus Christ does the Father. I mean, he, he sets up always the model of, we can see, the Trinity itself. Uh, as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one, so the Church should be reflecting that in her unity, uh, in all the various elements that are given to the Church for that unity in Christ. So it's a very powerful image, in, both in his figure and also what he preaches and says. Well, it also helps you understand the gift his martyrdom is to the whole church. It's not just a really mm-hmm. fascinating and powerful, powerful testimony to the people who are watching it, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's not just a powerful testimony to the people who were in charge, uh, who were entrusted to his care, right? He, with whom he mm-hmm. was charged uh, to teach. It's something that is because it was. A, a 
person connected with the entire body of Christ, and the entire body of Christ is connected through this sort of sacramental sort of like nerve system, it has an impact on the whole body down to the present day. And that's another aspect of this idea of what it means to be universal that I think is sometimes mm-hmm. hard for us to get our minds around. Like we can we can understand how the people who know about, you know, our situation would be affected by our situation. But until you have that, it's hard to understand like why would my sin, which I think would only affect me, like why would I affect the whole body? Well, mm-hmm. Father, if I, you know, whack you on the toe with a hammer, you're not going to say, well, that's an unfortunate thing for my toe. You know, mm-hmm. I hope my toe has a better experience next time. You're going to be like, ow, you hit me, right? <laughs> There's like right. this much deeper sense of what the church is, this universal sense. Right, no, and again, when we that's that's a great image. When we go to St. Ignatius, uh, as I said, we have a whole we have seven letters that survive from him, and it's to all these different churches: the Ephesians, the Magnesians, the Trallians, the Romans, the Philadelphians, the Smyrnians. I mean, when you look at this, uh, we can see that though he is specifically associated with Antioch, he is fully united with all these different churches. And his martyrdom and the witness that he uh, gives in his martyrdom will reach out to them all and beyond. And, of course, not just to that time, but for all times. So that the body of Christ, uh, what we see in the, uh, again, in the sacraments, in the unity, in the apostolic succession, and the unity of teaching, uh, the continuity there that unites us also, every member, uh, we are affected by what happens to every member, every community in the life of the Church. Well, thank you so much, Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. St. Ignatius of Antioch, pray for us. Got traffic and weather next. It's 19 minutes past the hour. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Joseph Salot will discuss the latest news in Catholic medical ethics. Ala Migliorata will share the adventure Catholic parenting tip for this week. I'll talk about the life of the early father, St. Ignatius of Antioch, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. 
It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across America, people. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cup, Chevrolet Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Some lingering slow spots. Northbound 7175 from 275 up to the cut in the hill. Northbound 471 from Alexandria Pike to the river. Southbound 75 between 275 and the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 71 between Field Zertle and the Norwood Lateral. Now for weather. Mostly cloudy skies today in Cincinnati with a high of 60 degrees. It'll be partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 45 Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 68. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 59. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 43. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 66 degrees. Today, an international day of prayer and fasting called for by the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem for the Holy Land. And we are also praying, of course, for the state of Ohio ahead of the November election. So please join me in the Novena Prayer for Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart, offer the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 23 past. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life, Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Houck, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. A prayer to St. Peter Claver. Dear saint of our modern times, you were permeated with compassion for the oppressed, for human beings sold as slaves and treated as expendable beasts. While alleviating their natural ills, 
you also took away their spiritual ills and taught them the surpassing knowledge of Christ. Inspire many of our contemporaries to become self-sacrificing missionaries like you. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Mark Watkins. the hour. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning. It's good to have you back. We're continuing to unpack the gift that we have as Catholics in the Divine Liturgy, the Mass. And you write in the book, Dr. Stout, through the Mass, eternity breaks into time. What does that mean? Well, when we go to Mass, you know, what we see, you know, a guy standing up on the altar wearing funny clothes and people are standing up, sitting down, kneeling. And, you know, we don't necessarily see very much. But, you know, the the word revelation means to pull back the veil. Mm. And it's actually in the book of Revelation where we see what's really happening at the Mass. Um, and that is we are joining in the heavenly worship. You know, someone might even ask, like, where's the mass in the Bible? And the answer is it's there. <laughs> Revelation 4 and 5. I mean, you see exactly what's happening at the mass unveiled. That is, we are worshiping the lamb who was slain, who is before the throne of the heavenly father. There are priests who are prostrate down before the lamb. The prayers of all the saints are rising up like incense, um, and there are, you know, these lighted torches, just like our candles, and the same prayers, like, you know, holy, 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 and amen are, are being offered up. So we are joining into something that fundamentally transcends just, you know, that one moment in time. We are drawn into the Paschal mystery itself, Jesus's death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And we're drawn into the heavenly worship, which is eternal. And so all the different acts of worship and all the masses throughout the world in the past, present, future are all drawn together into the perfect heavenly worship. It's unreal. I Well, I say unreal, but it's actual reality, which is what is so incredible about what you are saying. But this is not like something that the apostles just sort of created out of out of nothing after the ascension i mean there are old testament roots to what you're saying here can you talk about that yeah absolutely i mean well first of all we have to say why does jesus appear as a lamb who was slain in heaven and that's because he is the new passover right we pass over from death into life not only because jesus died but the passover lamb had to be eaten And so we see that even in heaven, he's saying, here I am, eat me, right? I am the one who gives you life. But even beyond that, when we look at the worship that was given to Moses at the time of the Passover, um, Hebrews tells us that the tabernacle and all the furnishings of the tabernacle were a sign of the heavenly tabernacle, meaning that, you know, God is dwelling in heaven. He has a kind of heavenly court and his people are assembled around him, all of the angels and and the saints. And when we go to meet him, and of course, that was first for the people of Israel in that tabernacle, that tent, 
or now when we go into a Catholic church and we see a similar arrangement, that we are coming into that court and that he is making himself present to us. And so when you look at the, the way that the, the tabernacle is kind of set up as the new Ark of the Covenant and you, you have the altar upon which the one sacrifice of Christ is made present to become our sacrifice. And you, you even look at the division of the, like the narthex, the, the entry area, the nave and the sanctuary. It, it still follows that same pattern um, that the Israelites had in the desert. And God told Moses, right, to follow this pattern. And then Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews tells us that that pattern is the pattern of heaven. And so when you walk into church, you're like entering into a whole nother realm. Wow. And so in the book of Revelation, John is invited, come up and see. And, and John is drawn up into the heavenly worship. But the reason why that happened to John is so that when we walk into a church, we'll know the same thing is happening to us. It's like we're, we're stepping out of our normal time and space when we go into the Catholic church and we are entering into God's heavenly court. And when we uh, attend Mass, we are drawn into the perfect heavenly worship of the Lamb who was slain. So incredible. But what does this have to do with creating a Catholic culture, Dr. Stout? Well, you know, it's, it's tempting when we think about culture to just put the emphasis on ourselves. Mm. If we just did this, then we could bring about renewal in our society. Or if we just had this new program, our parish will be revitalized. And we have to continually remind ourselves, this is about God. God reigns in heaven. True. Uh, but he can reign here. And he's not interested in, you know, setting up his own government. He's not interested in the United Nations. He's interested in your heart. And when you come into the church, you are entering into his heavenly court, and he wants to reign in you. And he can change your life, your family, your work, your community. And through us, yes, even our civilization, right? All of it flows out from our hearts first, right? That, that is the place where he will dwell on earth. We become his tabernacle, his tent in, in this world. But it's about his grace. He can do everything through us, but we can't do it ourselves. And so building a Catholic culture is not about our efforts. It's about God leading and guiding us if he reigns in and through us. That's the key thing. And when he does reign in us, he can reign through us um, in the world, and he will begin to renew things. Wow. We've been talking to Dr. Jared Stout. We'll leave it there for today. The book is called How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. I cannot recommend it more highly. You can find it from Tan Books. You can also find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Stout, really appreciate this conversation. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, it's 32 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has offered himself to Hamas in exchange for the Israeli children that they are holding hostage. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, told journalists yesterday he is willing to exchange anything to bring the children home. His office has not had any communication with Hamas since they launched the attack on Israel this month, killing more than 1,400 people, according to Israel Defense Forces. 
Hamas claims to be holding nearly 200 people hostage, including children. Meanwhile, Cardinal Pierre Batista Pizzaballa is asking for prayer and fasting today for peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Susie Hodges reports. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa is calling for a day of fasting, abstinence and prayer for peace and reconciliation. Cardinal Pizzaballa, who is president of the Assembly of the Catholic Ordinaries of the Holy Land, has urged all parishes and religious communities to mark this day of prayer in his message, Cardinal Pizzaballa spoke of his great pain and dismay at what is happening in the Holy Land, saying we've been suddenly catapulted into a sea of unprecedented violence. He went on to warn that the long-standing hatred in the region will increase even more and the ensuing spiral of violence will create more destruction. In an interview with Vatican Media earlier in the week, Cardinal Pizzaballa said he was saddened, but not entirely surprised, by the violence taking place in Israel and Gaza, and said he feared it will be a very long war. For Vatican Radio, this is Susie Hodges. That Catholic Relief Services says their staff and partners with Caritas Internationalis stand ready to respond according to the needs of the people affected by this war between Hamas and Israel. They say they are on the ground and ready to provide urgent humanitarian needs as this situation intensifies. Meanwhile, a report says the Pentagon has told some 2,000 U.S. troops to be ready to deploy to the Middle East. More from Mark Mayfield. The Wall Street Journal said the troops would not be serving in a combat role if sent. The report comes just as the U.S. sends a second carrier strike group off the coast of Israel. The first carrier strike group arrived last week. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the carriers are meant to deter hostile actions against Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. In Washington, a vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected today. NBC's Ryan Nobles reports from Capitol Hill, where a vote on Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio will take place after the House convenes at noon Eastern time. Jordan is increasingly confident that he is almost at that magic number of 217 votes. He flipped a number of Republicans who had said previously that they would never vote for him. But he still may be a little bit short. GOP holds a slight majority in the House, and so Jordan can only afford to lose four Republican votes, assuming he has no Democratic support. Some Republicans continue to express concern about him. And murders in the United States were down 6% in 2022. That according to the latest crime statistics released by the FBI. The same report said violent crime decreased about 2% in 2022. Meanwhile, U.S. car thefts rose 10 percent in the same year, and there was also a noticeable uptick in carjackings. More than a million vehicles were stolen in 2022. 8.36 now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you, Anna Mitchell. It was an exciting night of football last night as uh, the Dallas Cowboys intercepted Justin Herbert with under two minutes to go, and the Cowboys fend off the Chargers 20-17 to on Monday Night Football at SoFi Stadium. Dak Prescott uh, was impressive, threw for 272 yards, a touchdown, also ran in for a score as well. Cowboys improved to 14-2 overall. L.A. drops to 2-3. Baseball, 
ALCS. Rangers remain undefeated this postseason with a 5-4 win over the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park. A four-run first inning propelled the Rangers to the victory. Texas takes a 2-0 series lead. Game three is in Arlington on Wednesday. As for the NLCS, Kyle Schwarber got things started as he hit the first pitch. Zach Gallen threw out of the ballpark as the Phillies never look back to a 5-3 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 1. Game 2 of the series is tonight in Philadelphia. That's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. This is Father Steph Bankemper with some thoughts from Cardinal Francis Xavier Gwen Fontuan, a man who spent 13 years in a Vietnamese prison, nine of them in solitary confinement. Perseverance is the characteristic of saints because he who endures to the end will be saved. And although you may feel worn out or less enthused, keep your spirits up. The dark clouds cannot block the sunlight forever. Just wait for them to pass over. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and uh, just a heads up that today is National Catholic Men's Conference Day. I uh, meant to mention something about this earlier, but it is a uh, day for anybody involved in men's conferences to pray for one another, maybe get the word out about the conferences going on all over the country. Go to CatholicMensConferenceDay.com. Again, CatholicMensConferenceDay.com to learn more. We're joined now by our Carmelite correspondent, Father Nicholas Blackwell. An exciting month, October, for anybody in the Carmelite life, whether uh, you have a religious vocation or you're a layperson who is uh, dedicated to Carmelite spirituality. Father, good morning. Good morning to you all. I hope you're having a great uh, great day out there in the Midwest. We are doing our best. And, you know, October, a big month for Carmelites anyway, with St. Therese of Lisieux at the beginning of the month on October 1st and St. Teresa of Avila on the 15th. Uh, but you got a letter this year from the Holy Father about St. Therese. How excited were you and your community about this? 
Yes, he he sort of said, you know, previous what I think was a month, month and a half ago that this letter was coming out uh, regarding a reflection he wished to give on Therese of Lisieux. So we're all waiting in very joyful anticipation to see what our Holy Father wished to give, not just the Carmelite Order, but the Universal Church in regards to his sort of meditation over this amazing person. All right, so obviously he couldn't talk about St. Therese without at least mentioning the little way. Uh, what are some of the ways that he discussed St. Therese's little way in this letter? Well, the letter is not overly long. And first and foremost, I encourage your listeners to read the letter and to pray with it. Before you go to any other sources, you know, I'm going to say some things today, but it's important for us, the faithful, to read and pray over our Holy Father's words. And within this letter, he gives us a very nice breakdown into sort of four segments. He does have it, you know, a couple paragraphs that are short that introduce what's going on here, but then he breaks it down into, you know, four parts. The first part being Jesus for others, and then the little way of trust and love. The third being I will be love, and then finally uh, at the heart of the gospel. Well. You know, each of those are, are very rich things. There's an interesting thing that he has to say in that um, passage on the little way of trust and love about the idea of grace and merit. And that's something that can often be confused by our Protestant brothers and sisters when they look out from, uh, you know, the outside, look in at Catholics and see us doing good things and uh, cooperating with our salvation in, in that way. But there really is good that can be done from us cooperating. And St. Therese is, is pretty strong on this. And the Holy Father points this out, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, and in the English translation that's on the website, you know, it sort of really leans into the notion of confidence or, or being confident in the Lord. I much more prefer a, a translation of trust, you know, because, oh, I can be confident in my car. But, you know, do I put myself into a, a relationship of trust where I put my life on the line because of my automobile? You know, I, I don't have that kind of relationship with my car. That's why I have inspections and all these sort of things but I trust in God and I put myself into his pierced hands. And it is in that foundational trust that he's trying to show us through reflecting upon Therese Lisieux. And the reality is if we respond to that trust, which is already being motivated by grace, we will be overcome by a love that pours forth from the very pierced heart of Jesus Christ. And you mentioned that notion of, of grace and trust and love. Our Holy Father leans heavily, for example, into the teaching of, of the Council of Trent. You know, if you look at the footnotes, they're very beefy on how he's putting forward a notion of grace that comes forth from the Council of Trent. But then he's saying this person, St. Teresa Lisieux, she is like this doctor of synthesis, you know, so she, she knows these things. They're in her mind and they permeate and shape her very heart, a heart that, that gives itself over in trust to the Lord for the sake of love. So that's why he calls her a doctor of synthesis that brings the mind and the heart together. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting phrase because, you know, you hear about the angelic doctor, right? Thomas Aquinas mm -hmm. and, you know, some of the other doctor names, uh, you know, the mellifluous doctor, Bernard of Clairvaux. But this idea of her as a doctor of synthesis, um, you know, uniting head and heart, I think is a very interesting. Um, well, it's 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 a, it's an interesting sort of critique of, of where we are in our world and in our church, right? You have sometimes people wanting to draw a false dichotomy between being intellectually formed, yes. right? And some, you know, versus, you know, being a person who is, you know, active out in the world, you know, doing, doing works of mercy in the corporal sense. And those things are never meant to be 
two sort of separate camps, right? There's, yeah. They're meant to be synthesized. Yeah, he's he's very clear. This is, you know, the fourth section, this at the heart of the gospel, he he really answers in a definitive way of, of why he put this letter out. And he goes back to his his uh, main document, Evangelium Gaudium, where we put, you know, he's calling us to put first things first, he being, of course, Pope Francis, because he's reminding us that the church is a missionary church, which is straight out of Second Vatican Council, at Gentes, but it was a reality that was already present within the church, that the church herself is missionary and therefore to carry forward that missionary message of the good news of the gospel we have to put first things first you know there's this quote-unquote ladder to heaven you know he's trying to get us to the foundation points of of where where does the ladder rest upon and it's the love of god you know so he mentions though there's higher teachings in the church and he's he's not trying to push those aside at all but he's saying we have to get back to basics which is this fundamental relationship of love that floods our heart from the reality of God's grace in which we can have trust in and to understand this basic foundation, look towards this amazing person, this amazing saint, Therese Lissou, who helps to incarnate this reality of love through her own life. Ergo, why she's a doctor of synthesis. She knows these things. They are they are planted firmly and grow profoundly in her heart. And she goes forward in her community to share these things, but also in her life of prayer. That's why she is one of the, the patron saints of the missions. Yeah, and uh, this is, there's so many things to be said about St. Therese. I, I encourage people to go read the whole letter. It won't take you that long, but there is a lot. No, it's very short. To it's chew like 13 on. pages. Yeah, so, uh, and in that, you know, think about the, the all the stuff going on in our world and all the big things that we want to be able to fix and uh, just that reminder of what does God put in front of us individually today to live the gospel in that very real and tangible and immediate way. Thank you so much, Father uh, Nicholas Blackwell. If our listeners want to connect with you, how do they find you online? Um, you could just go to com, check out our vocation material, and you can always reach me through that website there. So thank you very much for your time today, and know that I'll be praying for y'all. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And uh, St. Therese, pray for us. 13 till we're back right after this gate of heaven catholic cemetery of the archdiocese of cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the vietnam war the ceremony is saturday october 28th 2 p.m at the veterans garden at 11,000 montgomery road and will feature keynote speakers presentation of service pins to veterans and a rosary following the ceremony please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families more information at gateofheaven.org slash events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, 
online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. Go to ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament to pick up a copy for yourself. Study along with us. We're joined again by Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors to this guide. Good morning, Dr. Morrow. Good morning. It's great to be here. It is great to have you back. And we're getting a primer on the book of Nehemiah this time around. So we've moved on from the book of Ezra, but Ezra actually figures rather prominently in the book of Nehemiah, does he not? That's right. He's probably the main character. Well, why does he show up in the book of Nehemiah? Why is he the main character? So Nehemiah, well, they would both be the main characters. Nehemiah and Ezra are contemporaries, as well as the prophet Haggai and others, and so this is during the reign of the Persian king Artaxerxes, and all of this is about the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem and the city walls, including the temple. And so since Ezra is the high priest, he's going to be the focal point um, for the liturgy that they celebrate. Okay, now uh, let's talk more about those main events that, sure. that you were just mentioning there. Um, we, we talked about the temple in in the book of Ezra, and the walls of Jerusalem are a big deal in Nehemiah. That's right. So Nehemiah is a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, and he becomes the governor, basically, of Judah. Mm-hmm. So the people have come back. Um, leaders might remember that when the Assyrians wipe out the northern ten tribes, the two, Benjamin and um, Judah, are stuck in the south, as well as the Levites who are not counted. So when they return from exile, they're known as the tribe of Judah, and that's where the term Jew and Jewish comes from. And so Nehemiah becomes their governor, and God tells him to rebuild the walls of the city. He wants the city rebuilt. And so Nehemiah petitions the king. The king asks, what does he want? And he stops, and he prays to God, and God tells Nehemiah exactly what to do. And so he spearheads the rebuilding of the of the city that had been destroyed by the Babylonians approximately 70 years earlier. This is a huge deal. It is, yeah. So can you talk more then about how Ezra fits into the story at this point? Sure. Uh, one of the biggest things happen, that happens is Ezra discovers the Torah. He finds the law that they had lost. When the city gets destroyed, the they temple They lost gets- the law? They lost the law. They lost the Pentateuch, the first five books. They lost everything. They lost the altar. They lost the Ark of the Covenant, which 2 Maccabees tells us Jeremiah hid in a cave. That's the only place that we hear about that in the Bible, in the Old Mm -hmm. Testament. Um, They lost everything. So when this siege took place, the Babylonians destroyed everything. So Ezra finds the law, and this really is, I think, the high point of the book in chapters 8 and 9, especially, where you see this liturgy unfold. Um, and you have the law brought out, you have it then, Ezra reads from the Torah, and then he gives a comment, and then he sets up these schools to study, so they start to study the law um, to, to memorize it and to learn it by heart as best as they can. And they have a confession ritual, a public confession, and they offer sacrifices. It's very similar to what we'll see in not just Old Testament liturgy, but in New Testament liturgy of reading from the law, reading from the scriptures, confession of sin, and sacrifice. The Eucharist. Yeah, lots of uh, Lexio Divina going on in yeah. here. Um, talk about Ezra's prayer in this book. Oh, his prayer is really beautiful. So yeah. he prays on behalf of the people 
uh, for you know to God. And so he does there's a public confession where he walks through an entire chapter, basically, chapter nine, where he confesses the sins of the people and he begs God's mercy and prayers on behalf of the people. He stands really in the gap between God and the people as their priestly mediator, very much like Jesus. So uh, what are the the key, I guess you could say, themes, or, or what are the, the promises that the people of, of Israel, uh, the, the Jews, make to the Lord in this time with Ezra? So they promise fidelity to never again be unfaithful the way they had been before the Babylonian exile that triggered the destruction of the city. Uh, but I think, and the promise and the blessing for them, I think, is that this will become an image um, of what will come later. So Haggai, the prophet Haggai, will talk a little bit about the new, you know, the heavenly Jerusalem, if you will. And we see that in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. That I really think that the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the city itself points forward to the coming of Christ in the new. And what we hear about it by the heavenly Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. And I think we can be encouraged that the liturgy we celebrate uh, that Jesus inaugurates at the Last Supper is, is not completely new. He's stepping into the history of Old Testament Israel, and he's transforming it from within. Yeah. That, that's encouraging. It is encouraging, but it's not as great as it could be. No, it's not as great as it could be, and they're going to have more struggle. So the, the key, though, I think, is that it's pointing forward to something much greater at the end. Sure. Right? So so the, the, the key is that the, the when he summons the residents of Jerusalem, they— what they've done is not as big as what had been done under King Solomon. But that's okay, because in the end, God is going to build something much greater. But yeah, they're going to get uh, stopped again and again. And Herod, actually, Herod the Great is going to continue the work right before the time of Jesus, so that the temple that they start to rebuild actually never gets completed. It's destroyed in 70 AD, uncompleted. Mm. We've been talking to Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, and uh, Doc, if, um, well, if somebody's reading the book of Nehemiah, what themes would you encourage them to, to have in mind? Trust in the Lord and faith, uh, fidelity to his promises. can read more about it in A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. Ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament is where you can go to pick up a copy. Dr. Morrow, thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. Trust in the Lord and faith in his promises. Obviously, a good theme to be thinking about in reading the book of Nehemiah, but just in general, in our world today, to always remember to trust in the promises of our Lord that he has not left us. He has not left the church. And today, in particular, a, a day of prayer and fasting called for by the Latin patriarch of Jerusalem who has just offered himself to Hamas in exchange for children that they are holding hostage currently. Uh, Hamas claiming to have about 200 hostages, including children. And Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzavala really taking on the the red of um, or willing to take on the red of martyrdom that is signified by the the red that he wears as a newly appointed cardinal by Pope Francis. So please pray and fast today for peace in the Holy Land. I said this earlier, I'll say it again. 
probably throughout this whole crisis that it really comes as no surprise that the place where Jesus was born, lived, ministered, healed, died, and rose again from the dead, that this would be a place that Satan in particular has an interest in sowing division and hatred. And Jesus told us in the Gospels that some things can only be done through prayer and fasting. And so we pray and fast today and pray and fast throughout this ordeal for peace in the Holy Land and, of course, around the world. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Feast of St. Luke the Evangelist. Look forward to it. For Matt Swain and Paul Lockman, I'm Anna Mitchell. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Justin at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 to WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at